Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm back. The show's back. The podcast is back. Again, this is another episode of the Shop and Chivalry podcast. In this monologue, I want to talk about a couple things. One, what got me, what caused that big delay? Essentially, what happened was, well, if you recall, I was trying to observe metrics. And so I put out like four podcasts in a week. And I want, there are a couple things I was, I was looking for. I won't go into detail, but as soon as I did that, I had some things scheduled as far as getting getting people on to, to talk about them. But also, I found a room where I was able to rent out at a great deal and I could turn it into a podcast studio. Well, I had to clean it out, work on some things, fix some things within the room, get everything prepared, somewhat decorated. Well, that ended up taking six weeks. And as a result, I because I put all my time here, I didn't really have time to put into the podcast. So my goal was to have a few episodes kind of on the back burner so that I could take a day off. Like normally I would, uh, I would go and in a weekend do four or five recordings and then that's four or five weeks of content. But because of the timing and I wanted to jump on this opportunity, <laughs> I did so probably impulsively, I don't care, but I jumped on it. And as a result, all the content that I had saved up for, you know, a rainy day, so to speak, I didn't have anything to put out. So anyway, we're here. And with having it, my own space gives me the opportunity to also do video. So uh, that's what's, that's what's happening here. Now, this is the first podcast with video and evidently I didn't have the right camera or the best camera setup or settings for this. So the video is not quality. And I apologize to my guests and everybody else out there. I've since corrected it. As a matter of fact, the same day because so this guest who is uh, Steven Cosentini, he was this morning and then I did another one in the afternoon and, and in the afternoon, I've got a completely different camera. So took it seriously and wanted to make sure that I have the right equipment for you all to actually enjoy it. So this is going on longer than it need, needs to. So my guest today is Steven Cosentini. He's an air traffic controller at Gulfport. And of course, I, I was an air traffic controller too. I, I now currently teach air traffic control. So we talk a lot about that, about the sort of tribal nature of air traffic control. Uh, we talk about training, the difficulties that can come from that, the personalities that people take on within air traffic control, the sort of the sort of cockiness that that's necessary, but but also can kind of bleed over into regular life. We discuss kind of our pet peeves within air traffic control. It really is an air traffic control dominated podcast, but it's, it's, it's palpable. I'll say that, but he's a, he, he's a fantastic human being. He's a, he's a family man. He's married to a girl that, uh, I went to high school with shout out to, uh, Bianca. And again, he talks about that. He talks about how he joined the Air Force and was in the medical field and then decided to retrain into air traffic control. That took him out to Vegas and eventually he got out and got picked up to work air traffic control for the FAA. He's got a great story. And what's really amazing about his story is he had cancer last year. Just, he felt a pain, went in the hospital, and a couple of months later he, he had his second surgery to remove the cancer. And I think what, Five months after that, he was running a marathon. So he's got a great story. I won't give too, too many details on that because I don't want to ruin it. Uh, I didn't do too much of analysis in, in, this, in this monologue, but what I will say is that St Steven's a pretty grounded dude. 
even when he was talking about his cancer, he didn't really, I don't know if it, if it was by design of the doctor or what have you, but he didn't really get into what I would suspect most people would get into. And that's this sort of place where you're, you're considering the worst possible thing that might happen, which when it comes to cancer could be death or just a life changing life, life altering experience. He didn't have that. It was very, it was very, uh, very stoic, very, uh, there was a strength about it too. That was very, very comforting. And, but anyway, I won't bore you anymore. Everybody, please welcome Stephen Cosentini. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, are you excited? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Should be fun. So Never yeah, we'll, anything like it. yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're live now. So, uh, everybody welcome <clears throat> to the first, uh, videoed episode of the shop and chivalry podcast. I've got Steve, Steven, I don't want to butcher your last name. So I, I keep Wouldn't for some reason, time. right. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I keep for some reason putting an N in there, but there's no N. Nope. Well, well at the end, but, yeah. uh, so how do you pronounce your last name? Cousin teeny cousin. So it's I, like I, your, I always tell everybody, cut your cousin and teeny, cousin teeny, <laughs> cousin teeny, okay. like cousin teeny, Constantini, adding things and taking things away, but whatever. Yeah, fair enough. So, so Stephen, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Where are you from? Um, I'm uh, originally from New Jersey, grew up in North Jersey. Okay. I would say 20 minutes from like Manhattan, like area. So nice. Not, not far from New York and stuff. Um, and so that forced you to be a Yankees fan? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Most of my family. Growing up, I, like, I think my mom's side were mainly Mets fans, and then okay. side was all Yankee fans and whatever. We had that. But, um, yeah, I grew up going to a lot of Yankee games, actually, um, which was awesome. Yeah. And uh, uh, what else? Uh, by, after high school, did a couple years at like, community college back there, and mm-hmm. then wasn't working, so joined the military. And okay. And took me everywhere. But And what branch? Air Force. Okay. In the Air Force. And what did you do in the Air Force? Uh, initially, I went in to be a linguist. Chinese, Interesting. Yeah. Chinese. Um, I Why? did that. I don't know. I think it was like a recruiter got me out a little bit. Like, I don't know. Recruiters are always pushing jobs and stuff Yeah, like for that. sure. They've um, got quotas. Yeah. And uh, I really wanted to, thought I wanted to do physical therapy. Okay. But I didn't want to spend any more money on school. So I wanted, I said, oh, the military probably, I can do that in the, in the Air Force. Sure. But obviously the job wasn't available. And they're like, well, you did good enough on the outside. Do you want to go be a linguist? And I was Thought that was cool, yeah. and um, I was like, "You're gonna teach me to learn a language that I would ne- would have never done otherwise." So, yeah, and then I picked Chinese just, I guess, as a challenge, and then um, went to basic. And then they sent me out to Monterey, California. I was there for like two years mm-hmm. doing that. It's a beautiful area out there. Uh, I would do it's it amazing. all over again, man. Yeah, it was a cool <laughs> spot. Not far from you know San Jose, San Francisco. Like, yeah, we did that on weekends all the time. And whatever. yeah, I was at Travis for, yeah, for yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know cool. like five years. So yeah, we spent yeah. some time down there for sure. Um, so yeah, I did that for a couple of years and then inevitably failed out. Um, well, it's it's tough. Yeah, yeah you know, it it's, it's it's tough in tough in any language, and yeah. and then you pick uh, arguably the hardest one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe aside from Farsi. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that. And then they allowed me to retrain. And at that time I requested physical therapy cause uh-huh. I still wanted to do that. Sure. And it was available. So it just worked out that way. Okay. So I got basically a good two year vacation in Monterey. That was good. And then, yeah. um, sent me to Wichita Falls, Texas. I was in, uh, Shepherd, mm-hmm. Shepherd, middle of nowhere, nothing. 
Yeah, that was my first time. tech school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where all the medical stuff is, right? Like, so they moved, I think, medical now it's to for Sam Houston now. But oh, is it? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at one point it was like, I forget the chronology, but at one point it was primarily at Lackland, another time it was primarily at Shepherd. But I think it was Shepherd first, and then it went to Lackland, mm -hmm. and then maybe now it's. Like, it, it, yeah, they. I think Lackland was a little transition because they were trying to. I, I don't know for sure, but for Sam Houston was where I know like the four ends, like the med techs and yeah, those yeah. guys were going. Um, but that was after, that was after obviously I did all that. And then from there I went, I went four month tech school there and then I got stationed at Keesler. So okay. I was there for four years and that's where I did physical therapy for a while, a little bit of occupational therapy. We were kind of interchangeable there. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I became friends with a lot of air traffic controllers. Uh huh. And how how is that? So <clears throat> I know there's a I'm, to back up to basic training. I, yeah, I had a buddy that was well, I, I, my guy that I met in basic training who was from Gaucher, and uh, he was going to be an air traffic controller. Uh huh. And we kept in touch. He ended up getting out early, came back to Gaucher. I got stationed at Keesler. We hooked up. Mm -hmm. Back and that's how I met a lot of people outside the Air Force in the area. Yeah, through him and yeah, um, we were talking about this before the show started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as it turns out, a lot of the people that you know is my like kind of close circle that mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. uh, back in back in high school. Which, um, well, yeah, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and then I uh, I ended up moving in with him and Gosh and Gosha and all that stuff and basically a roommate. And he was an air traffic controller the whole time. He was doing contract work, waiting on the FAA. So I kind of yeah. learned that process a little bit. And then I went to ALS at Keesler and became really good friends with another instructor at Keesler, mm -hmm. that was air traffic control instructor. And um, then it was time for either re-enlistment or get out or cross-train or do whatever, because my enlistment was up. And I was like, I'm just going to try to cross-train into air traffic because it uh -huh. seemed like a cool thing to do. And, yeah. And uh, and how many years in are you at, at, at that this point? point uh, I guess almost six. Okay. <clears throat> my my retrain probably started a little over five years in. So okay. And then oh, so you so so you were probably aware of the rule, right? You were probably six year enlistee, aware of thirteen month, and you probably wanted to just get get out of that and go because because how I was when I got out of aircraft maintenance, it was it was the day of at eight o'clock Eastern that I requested a retrain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I, uh, it's been so long. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, there is that cutoff, that time frame. Yeah. You have to do it. Because um, I was also trying to base a preference yeah. with it. Yeah. So this um, is all first-term airman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I uh, was trying to get back home, really. Like, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do it if they send me. And then the list that they gave me, or actually, I knew I was going, I think, yeah, I knew I was going to Nellis. Okay. Before Las I even Vegas, started yeah. school. Before I even started our traffic. I think I had a similar situation. Uh, and I think that's a first-term airman thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they give, they assign you your. Yeah, yeah. Because you do a first. BOP in, in conjunction with the retrain, which I think has to be f done within five days of. I'm a regs guy. Mm -hmm. I think within. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, within five days of of the approval. Um, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I think they gave me a list. Uh huh. And then I chose. And I, I I chose my list and. I, there was like five places on there and I don't don't even remember the other ones <laughs> but um I know Vegas I I didn't put first but I, I wasn't upset if I got Vegas yeah and, and it's a good Vegas. first base for ATC for ATC yeah for sure and it's I mean I, I mean I, I 
was gambling at the time. I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> like, whatever. But, um, and... Uh, By the way, gambling... People use gambling, I think, in an incorrect way. Gambling is what you do when you think you have a chance of winning. Oh, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so, so for me, I've, I've never gambled in, in my life. Mm-hmm. I've just donated a lot mm-hmm. of money. <laughs> I mean, I, when you're young, when I'm, you know, early, early 20s, and I'm here, and uh, I find the bow, the hard rock, and all that yeah. stuff when I first get here. And it's initially you're like, yeah, I, I can, I can beat this place. Like whatever. Like this is easy, man. I love and this confidence about you, man. You got moxie. You lose it all and you're like, <laughs> crap. And then they reel you back in and you went a little bit and you're like, this is easy again. But yeah. anyway, but, and then when I got Vegas, people were like, oh, you're going to, I was like, the difference between having like five casinos here to gamble and like 25 there is not a, there's no difference. Like, yeah, it, it's available here. It's available there. Like sure. The fact that it's more available there didn't matter. Like if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. Like <laughs> my favorite place to go. And I think it used to be, it was on the new strip. I want to say maybe, um, it was an Irish pub. I want to say it was McGuire's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I think it's kind of tucked away, but it, yeah. but it was in the front. They would always have, have a little person there that was in a leprechaun outfit, like trying to draw people in. Uh-huh. But it was it was just the most, I don't know, like non-new strip casino there. And it was like dollar Michelob Ultras. Uh-huh. It was dollar blackjack, dollar craps. Uh-huh. I mean, it was, it was fi- oh, and, and oh, by the way, they had beer pong there. Yeah. So you could play beer uh, pong. <laughs> it was There's just- a lot of that now, I feel yeah. like. I mean, they're trying to- Well, on Fremont downtown, Street, especially. Downtown, yeah. downtown like the old, old Las Vegas. They, yeah. they put a lot of money into there and they're trying yeah. to do stuff like that. Oh, it's so much fun, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think I love Fremont more than I love yeah. being on the new strip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and mostly because like, it, it's a little more covert that they're trying to get all your money from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and they're not charging you $6 for an ultra. Yeah. That, you know, when you're going everywhere down, like when you're in the middle of the strip. So I did the joint fires course out there, mm-hmm. which was really neat. And we stayed, we stayed in the Luxor, which is, which is my favorite casino, but, but it, it's partly because it's kind of a representation of like mythology, you know, it dates, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's got the whole th- like the entire, the inside is all like kind of a, 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 what would you say, like a tribute to like Egyptian stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm really into mythology and, but anyway, it was right next to, oh man, I'm forgetting it, the Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And it had a walk over there and you could have dinner for like $15 and it was free beers with it. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and in the morning it was like bottomless mimosas mm-hmm. as well within that, within that $50. So we, we ate there like, you know, two, two, three times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where most of our per diem went, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was great, man. I've, I've flown through Vegas probably four or five times, uh, because when I flew on the C-17s, um, we would go and pick up the Thunderbirds, all those divas, mm-hmm. and we'd take them out to whatever air show. So we got to spend a lot of time out there. That's but, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I worked the Thunderbirds a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There. Well, you got a lot there. You got aggressors out there. Mm-hmm. And then you got the racetrack, I think, to what, the north, north, northwest? Northwest, yep. And then they've got helicopter traffic there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, north, obviously. North Las Vegas. Las Vegas traffic. Oh, that's north right. North Las Vegas Towers yeah. there, which is one of the busier VFR towers in the country. Uh-huh. Um, and then the RAPCON there, the Radar Approach Control Facility. Uh, is what I worked. Oh, you did? I, I never worked tower. Oh, no, okay, okay. Yeah, For yeah. some reason, I, I, I was, was I was guy. thinking you were you were a tower guy. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Yeah, so yeah. so you had to work the the blocked out area up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The range is up there. And, mm-hmm. um, did you know Michael Merritt? Michael Merritt. 
I don't think so. Okay, he might have gotten Maybe. there after he he was the chief controller. Now I think he's the functional for ACC. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I don't. That doesn't sound from. Yeah, and and if he was at the tower. I don't know. Well, it, it was he was the RAPCON chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was there when I took the joint fires course, and I got a tour of the facility and whatnot. Oh, and, cool. and so, yeah, yeah. And so then, you saw the Nats and all that. You, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Blackjack was in. Did mm -hmm. they show you Blackjack and all that? Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool stuff, man. Really, really cool stuff. So, so you were. So that was your first facility within ATC. Okay. Yeah, which I struggled. Like it okay. wasn't easy. Like. Well, there's there's no reason why it should be. Yeah, it, I mean, more than more than half the people washed out of that place. Um, some of that was just complexity and volume. Some of it was the actual training program, probably. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was tough. I'm sure you um, can't point to any one one no, thing. No, no, for sure, like that, for sure. So. Um, and it, it has to do with young kids come like they're sending 19 year olds or even 21 year olds to Vegas, and they're supposed to be concentrating on training, mm -hmm. like. If I if I wasn't married to Bianca and had responsibility at home, I don't know. Like I probably I don't. It I would have it would have been harder. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm so I'm an I'm an instructor now. So I teach ATC, right? So I'm I'm getting. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. When did this happen? Uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, I got tired of the bank. You know, the it's a G, GS over there. Yep. Ah, cool. Yeah, man. so it's a it's 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 amazing to me how people talk to you when you manage their money. Mm -hmm. And I just had a really hard time with that, you know? Oh, for sure. And yeah. it's like, I've never been in, in kind of food service and, 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 and that sort of thing. But generally I don't, you know, I'm not gonna treat somebody poorly, right? Yeah. But they just, man, these people were just rude, you know? And, yeah. and uh, I just kind of got tired of that. So I was like, well, let me get back into industry and see if I can't, uh, That's cool. you know, stay, so stay abreast oh, of that but yeah so what's what's interesting is that you're right you're absolutely right that what we're asking these young people to do is really quite incredible mm -hmm. if you think about it and and i share the same the same sort of thought process that if it was me and i was 19 years old would not have gotten through that yeah, yeah. i am too unfocused not or at the time too unfocused not disciplined i was just right? immature like I was yeah just, for sure like i mean I, all of that <clears throat> immaturity is probably probably the umbrella term mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it, if i if i would have gone like i like the way i went through if i would have done the exact opposite so if i went on atc instead of linguist mm -hmm. and then washed out of atc and then then somehow got picked up on linguist i would have probably succeeded at linguist yeah just because of the age and the maturity that happened between 19 and 23 yeah you know yeah. what i mean and not that i was mature at 23 but it was more than yeah. 19 and um we had some life experience i mean because what <clears throat> what we're asking them to do is is not just learn this job that's incredibly difficult that there's no i tell i tell the students like i just graduated uh or moved them out of a block and they had like a 93 percent average mm -hmm. right in uh within that block which normally it's about 85, 88, and they were really bright, but you know, your boy's gonna take some credit for that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but sure. so I told him, I was like, uh, there is no reason to assume that just because you did well on this block, you're going to do well in the next block. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to assume that if you do good in the tower practical, you're gonna do good in the radar practical. You have zero evidence. There's nothing you've done in your life that compares to what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. Now, as a mechanic, it'd be different, right? But with, with air traffic control, it's a really enigmatic job. So, uh, so and when you talk about tower versus radar, and then you can get even get in, break down radar from terminal to en route. Yeah. And, <clears throat> which I'm not sure if a lot of people are gonna know. 
Well, we'll you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk about yeah. it, and and then and and as we get into it, you know, where where I think we need to break it down, we, we can, can because a little bit yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but anyway, it's, those are th- those are all fall under a traffic control, but those are three different jobs. Very I've different. Seen plenty of people that go radar and can't do tower, tower can't do radar, hundred percent, and and then who do radar for fifteen years and then go en route the terminal and then go en route and they can't do it can't do it vice versa like it's people assume you you, you've been certified air traffic controller for 10 years why can't you do this and like because this is different it's just different yeah it's crazy how different within atc it could be but when i my first facility was a radar facility and i did i did all right you know uh i got through it i got obviously you get better as 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 time time goes by but even just doing radar versus non-radar like, like the two concepts that were difficult for me to understand w- was special BFR and then non-radar operations, right? And <laughs> so the first time we went non-radar in a sim, you know, you're, you're working it and then goes off. Mm-hmm. And Trent's like, what do you do? And I was like, I, I have no idea, nothing. And so that was like my first unsat that I got there. But I tend to pour myself into things I don't do well. Mm-hmm. Like I saturate myself. Just, and so that same day I rent seven Sims, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it was this, this idea, I've got this idea about growth and growth is not making the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. That's what growth is. So, so I wanted to just saturate myself in, in that, which I wasn't good at in order to become good at it, you know, which is if, what if most people don't do that. And that holds them back on yeah, exactly. everything. Right. So, well, I've, t- <laughs> I told the same class, you know, I give this little speech after they leave, leave my block. And I say, um, uh, you're going to be challenged in ways that you've never been challenged before. And you're going to do things that you've never done before. So you have to subordinate yourself to this process. And the idea that you can have an opinion on how to train air traffic control better than somebody that has a badge on is nothing more than stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I talk very, very direct to them. And uh, yeah, just, I tell them also 50% of them will wash out of their first base. That's, 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 mm-hmm. That's data uh, talking there, and and I say, uh, but I've never seen somebody wash out who lacked the cognitive ability to do it. Now, that's that's my own experience. But but they were either uncoachable, they didn't want, take feedback very well. They would snowball. They couldn't make a mistake and mm-hmm. leave yeah, that yeah. mistake in they the past. Recover exactly, exactly. So if you can be that person, subordinate yourself to it, listen, assume that the person that's telling you to do it has done the same thing. If you can do all those things, you're going to get rated. It's 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 really not a question mm-hmm. in, in in my mind. What are your thoughts on that? So, <clears throat> I had uh, I had a buddy that. Um, I worked in the Air Force with before air traffic, and he got picked up by the FAA when uh-huh. he got out of the Air Force, no air traffic experience whatsoever, and um, ended up going en route and whatever. And So really, he went to the schoolhouse. He went to the schoolhouse yeah. and got his first assignment and whatever. Really smart guy, really smart guy. Like, grad, I'm pretty sure he graduated like top five out of like a thousand kids in his senior senior class and all that stuff and got a full ride to Arizona mm-hmm. State I think and um, and then then he dropped out and joined the Air Force or something anyway um, really smart guy but he not that he knew everything but he didn't like criticism. He didn't like, so all that stuff. And I knew that that was going to be a problem going into the FAA because I helped him with the application process and like all yeah. that stuff, you know, just try to get him going. And um, he hit a wall maybe a couple times in his training 
when uh, he, he got to the center that he was at. And um, then he just gave up. He just didn't, he, like, when people, people who, things come easy to them for so long, and this job rarely comes easy. There's only a couple natural people that, probably in the OFA, that are like, you tell them once and it just happens, and they can recover from mistakes. They can do, like, it's just normal. But um, this guy, I kind of knew that that was a possibility, but I thought he'd be smart enough to just kind of, okay, I need to stay humble yeah. and try to figure this out rather than just be sure. like, this isn't for me. That's it. And he kind of did that and kind of made me upset. I don't oh, know. for Cause, sure. Cause it's such a huge opportunity, man. The, the when, you go, when you go to an yeah. roof facility like that or, like, your minimum salary is just like. Oh, it's huge. It's like. It's, it's for, set for the rest of your life or not like yeah i don't know and not, yeah. not for nothing it's hard it, it's hard work every day and all that but man it pissed me off that he just squandered I, I, and, an and, opportunity and yeah. i wasn't there for it also it might be more than that but in yeah. my head knowing him for so long and then knowing and it's just like man i wish he would have reached out to me more maybe yeah. i could have i could have maybe given just a little not even air traffic advice just like head advice like yeah man, like you know, I don't know. Yeah. Here, do me a favor. Yeah, we need. Here, we can rotate that just kind of up, like, like push that. There you go. Yeah, just, right. again, we just want to keep it, keep yeah. there. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, you know, I think part of the reason it's, it's difficult, uh, and this isn't just ATC related, but when people have to, let's use the example of somebody where, where things come easy. That's their identity. And so when they in, encounter something that's difficult to do, well, it shocks their world, right? Mm -hmm. And in order for them to transcend that, part of their identity has to change, which means part of them has to die. So there's mm -hmm. this, oh, yeah, so yeah. so there's this sort of resurrection of the self kind of thing that's that's occurring. And I think that that is more powerful than some people are are prepared to admit, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so for somebody to again, well, here's a good example. There's a girl who made a statement a couple weeks ago that she didn't think ATC was for her. And my thought was, this this wasn't somebody that, that I was training, but I heard about this situation. I thought like, what in the world makes you think you know? Mm -hmm. no, just, yeah. Exactly. Like, that, like you have no idea what you're capable of. And, and you don't know, there's, there's plenty of dumb people in ATC that do ATC really well. It's inexplicable. It really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> I say this all the time. I'm like, I've met so many people. I've, there was people at the schoolhouse with me who already had bachelor's degrees or whatever and had life experience. They were maybe mid twenties now. And this is their first, they just joined the air force and this is their first, first job in the air force. Yeah. And they absolutely bomb. Like they just can't do it. And then I, I've met, I say it all the time. I met people dumb as rocks and kill it first time. Yeah. No issues. Yeah. And I wouldn't trust them to buy a gun. They can no, do ATC yeah, just fine. Yeah. And it's just because it's some of some, because some of ATC is just so basic that it's just like, here's the rule, apply it. That's it. And there, maybe their mind is a little numb to making that error. So that yeah. recovering isn't hard. It's just like, oh, I made an error. I, I got to keep going. Um, where other people who might be really smart, they made that error and they just can't let it go because they just keep thinking about it because they want to fix that that happened already, but they can't. And then it just snowballs, like you said. Earlier. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, the dumbest rocks and then really smart people and these the dumbest rock people succeed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, look, the, like there's zero indication of whether or not somebody's going to be going to be good at it. Uh, I, I did so that so 
I applied twice for the FA and the one I got picked up on uh, was the prior experience bid, but I went ahead and applied for the non, non experience bid. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing. Have you? I just applied. Over. So you remember that test, right? Mm -hmm. Where you had, bro. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, how, how does somebody do well on this? So <laughs> I went in there. I was like, I'm never going to get hired by the FAA. I was like, I was like, what was that? Yeah. It was really hard because I, I forget the controls and you yeah. know, like, yeah. it wasn't and, normal. And then you had to do math while separating aircraft. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I, I literally laughed when I did that. And I was like, this is not even applicable. Like who no, came no, up no, with no. this? Yeah, it's not like, at all. You need to be able to do math. Because... <laughs> When it's not uh, air traffic control is not a video game to where you're pressing buttons and moving planes, yeah, or anything like that. You're talking, like yeah. you're telling people what to mm -hmm. do, um, issuing traffic and stuff like that. So in that in that scenario, like first of all, you didn't issue traffic to anybody, right? So you're not aware of what's going on because issuing traffic is is just as much for you as it is for them because yeah. it reminds you of planes of the conflict yeah, crossing yeah. and stuff you know it, it, so in that in that sim i was like afterwards i was like man i should have just been issuing traffic because would <laughs> i would have you know i would have had a better idea of what what was going on because yeah. otherwise man yeah that was i was like i was really i got in the car after that i was like oh my god yeah like everything i did at nellis like had nothing to do with that <laughs> like did, yeah yeah, is it, is FAA air traffic control that different? I, you know, I was, like, I was like, this is how they do it. Like, why would they do it like this? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and then whatever, and then you realize that that was a test for some reason. I don't know how they can use that. Yeah, it it, it really kind of sounds like it's a test. Like the whole have have you ever seen The Office? Mm -hmm. Watch The Office. You know, that's have have you seen the one where where he's trying to pick his next like the replacement manager and they're at like the lake. I don't know. I, I it's don't it's, know. it's a series of these really stupid tests, mm -hmm. right? Like like a hot dog eating contest <laughs> and and whatnot. And that's that's kind of the way it felt. Yeah, like this yeah. is just some stupid initiation mm -hmm. thing. But I'm 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 sure there's a re I'm sure there's a reason for it. There's but. something there. Yeah. But maybe not that sim though. That sim no. Maybe some of the other <laughs> like memory things. Yeah. Or, or the else. spatial perspective the spatial, one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like, I, I get that. Mm -hmm. But not that sim. That yeah. Sim was. I don't think they do it it's anymore. It's garbage. I don't yeah. think they do it anymore. I don't know. Well, I I did it like last year. Oh really? Yeah, because oh. <laughs> I did mine probably like five, six years ago, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but no. You look really concerned when I said <laughs> when I'm like, I said last still year. Still doing that? That's bad. I don't yeah, know. It, 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 I don't know because I can't see how weeding people out because I did really bad on that and they hired me. So, <laughs> how like who are we weeding out? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, know. that's interesting. That's Maybe interesting. if you do well, you don't get hired. Well, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess. So, so how was it like going from a previous career field to now getting into ATC? What was that like for you? Um, I don't know. So the physical, you say like physical yeah, yeah, therapy, yeah. ATC, like because you're therapy, an MCO at this point, right? Uh, yeah, I was already a staff. Yeah, I okay, was yeah, five yeah. at that time. Um, when I actually put in the cross train, yeah. Um, so. It really wasn't that crazy. I got kind of bored of physical therapy, mm -hmm. um, especially I guess as a PT tech, you're pretty much and it's kind of monotonous. The demographic that we had was pretty much, you know, tech school students at Keesler and some, and then retirees. Yeah, um, a lot of the same stuff. We we got to do inpatient stuff like total hips, total knee replacements, and stuff like that. Mm. That was, I guess, more interesting. 
but it was still tedious because we had to like do it on weekends and stuff that we, mm. we were supposed to be off, but we would, you know, whatever, it, which is, which is normal life. Like yeah. PT techs do that in the civilian world too. But mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, I got kind of bored of it. And I realized if I really wanted to do if without staying in the military, if I really wanted to make any money or really do something with this, I was going to have to go through a lot more schooling. Yeah. And I was like, and I was not about school. That's why I mean, Air Force, like, yeah. And I, I dread writing a paper, like literally like any paper yeah. at all. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so th that was kind of the appeal to ATC. Uh, Googling it and it's like, well, you know, one of the highest paid career fields without having a degree. Yeah, the difference average salary between an air traffic controller and an attorney is $7,000. Yeah, right. And how much, how, how much between student loans or just time in school yeah. and all that stuff. And yeah. I look at, I looked into a law program at Tala at, um, not Tallahassee, Florida state. And it's like a $62,000 program. <laughs> well, oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, and that's, like, that's, that's two years. So, I mean, yeah, that's outrageous, <laughs> but so, so that was the, that was the appeal. No, less school and higher pay on the backside and, uh, still government job. And I knew that if I was good, you know, do my time in the air force and get out, mm -hmm. I knew I did 10 and a half years in the air force. And every time I tell oh, somebody, same here. Yeah. so every time I tell somebody that they're like, why'd you get out? You're over halfway, you know, just finish up the 20. And I was like, well, cause I could buy my time back. That's and, right. And I still, I get that 10 and a half years added on to my FAA retirement. Yeah. Um, I'll still have to do 20 with the FAA, but now it's 30 year retirement instead of just a 20. So, mm. um, Anyway, so there was a lot of people, like that, that transition from physical therapy to air traffic really wasn't that crazy. I knew all the instructors at the schoolhouse before I cross-trained. <laughs> I lived with one of them. So, um, yeah, I, that one, the guy I met in ALS, like, like he was my roommate and then I cross-trained and they can't make me, make us not live together now. Yeah, because they have you, to you, solve that problem, right? Don't so you, you have to? So they're gonna make sure that he's not my actual instructor, yeah. obviously. But um, I think it's just like uh, like an enlisted person marrying an officer. Sure. If they had a prior relationship before that, they can't stop you from doing that. Like yeah. that was, I, I guess those are the rules. Cause technically you're, that's fraternization or whatever. But if you can prove well, that there was a prior relationship before that, mm -hmm. before the rank, happened, I guess. But. Well, the funny thing too, is, is that the way that, that law is, mm -hmm. is set up in the new, in the ECMJ is, is you can marry, you just can't date. Yeah. 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 Right. You have to, you have to hide yeah, yeah. Your whatever relationship, however yeah. long that is. There's no problem being married. It isn't very long in, our, in the military, but. But fraternization only applies to dating. You yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't crazy. apply to marriage. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, it's so ridiculous. So, anyway, so it's not frater like me living with him wasn't a, a conflict. conflict of interest. And yeah. as long as they avoided him actually being an instructor. Sure. Him. But sure. I knew all the other, I played softball with all of them. Um, even <laughs> one of the rad. instructor supervisors, like really good friends with him. On Wednesdays, the Hooters down on the beach, someone who was there, mm -hmm. it was wing one, whatever, uh, whatever special they had at Hooters on Wednesdays. I would be in class and I would get out of class for lunch and I would top in instructors' cars, wherever, and we would all go to Hooters together. <laughs> and like with instructor supervisor, with all the other instructors. That's so funny. Not my, probably not my actual instructors because again, they, they, yeah. they kept us, but I mean, so anyway. Just so be like that, So man. the transition was easy. Yeah. I was living off base. Like all, I'm in school, in class with all these tech school kids who yeah. were marching back and forth from class and yeah. I'm just willy nilly. Yeah, I can concentrate on class. I'm not worried about all the other outside stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. And well, then if I had questions, I asked my roommate. There you go. <laughs> well, what about when you got to say Nellis? Like, because there's, there's probably a difference in culture, right? Between the medical community and say within ATC. For sure. Okay. So when I, when I first decided to cross train, um, friend of a friend who was also an ATC in the air force, but I, I didn't really know him, but he said, why are you going from support to operations? Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, your hours are awesome. Like now you're going to go to shift work. Now you, you know what I mean? And I didn't know what I was like that. Like I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know I about did, the changing I, shifts. I didn't, I didn't know. Like, I yeah. didn't, I knew nothing about that. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into there, which didn't matter because when I was at Keesler, we had down Fridays, right? So we work mainly nine to 10 hour days mm-hmm. um, and every other Friday off. Uh, so those days are longer than a normal eight hour day. But so it's nice to have a three day weekend every other yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. And then if a holiday fell on a Monday or whatever, it was your weeks are always yeah. short. Anyway, um, so what was I saying? What's my train of thought now? <laughs> you were talking about uh, your your buddy asked oh, yeah, yeah. you so, about. So, so, th- so, th- so yeah. then I start working at Nellis in their eight hour days, and I'm like, oh shoot, we're going home already? Like it felt like nothing. I was yeah. like, man, this is, this is. I don't care about the shift work that yeah. my days are shorter than they were when I was at Keesler, which is only specific to Keesler. If I was medical somewhere else, I would have probably yeah. been eight hour days. Yeah. But, um, so my transition to that shift work, shorter days was nice at, you know, fine. Now, mm-hmm. eight, now eight hours feels like eight hours because that's yeah. not long enough, but for sure. Not that that's a long day, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Standard day in maintenance is is, is like <laughs> yeah, twelve, exa- yeah, exactly. waverable to sixteen. Yes, and exactly. trust me, you gonna get that waiver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing about ATC. We're protected by that. You know, yeah, over ten. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I had somebody try to try to pull the the whole. This is a trick that they pulled in maintenance. Like you, you couldn't do maintenance work after twelve hours unless you had a waiver to to, to work to mm-hmm. sixteen. But then there were some leaders who'd say, "Yeah, but your paperwork is not actually maintenance." Yeah. So uh, they'd make us do all the uh, all the yeah. paperwork afterwards, and um, eventually somebody complained about that, and they stopped. They tried to pull the same thing in ATC, oh, and I was sure. like, "It's not wise. Yeah. I wouldn't do that." Yeah, not ATC. <laughs> you got FAA rules that you yeah. have to worry about. No, yeah. Not just you have a mishap and mm-hmm. that's, whatever, but. Um, yeah, so that transition wasn't too bad. I enjoyed it. Just again, it shortened my days and work. It, people don't realize there's a lot of breaks in ATC, where which what are completely necessary. Sure. When you sure. work an hour to two hours at a time, and then you're going to need a thirty minute break or more um, to kind of decompress and then get back in there and do it again. Uh, so that aspect of it was cool. Maybe not so much in training initially because. Even on breaks, you're supposed to be um, training or studying or doing whatever. But once yeah. you're certified, that's your time. That's Should your be. time. So in in physical therapy, like you had a lunch break, a half hour, forty five minutes, whatever that was, and mm-hmm. that's it. You were working for those nine, ten hours that I was yeah. working. So I like the breakup of ATC, even though it can be stressful for that hour or two hours, depending on the traffic and time of day and all that. But yeah, when when I was running crews, uh, I would I would make that a point. So I had no problem. Man, if the evals were done, you didn't have any sort of big Air Force work to do like a CBT or mm-hmm. something. Like get out of the facility, you know, go mm-hmm. somewhere, go 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 work out, you know, bring bring games and play play games mm-hmm. and, and and stuff like that. Like I need you decompressed and, mm-hmm. and, and ready. But COVID's made made it difficult. So I, I can use my last assignment. They, it was it was tower only, 
and they had a day shift and a swing shift and that's it. But the Manning was for a day shift and a swing shift. Well, now because of COVID, they've got two day shifts and two swing shifts and they rotate them every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So these guys and gals are working eight, eight to 10 hours in a position. They're not getting a break. And the ops haven't start, haven't stopped. Mm -hmm. You know, all the all the all the commercial traffic has slowed down some, which mm -hmm. which I'm sure you can appreciate. You mm -hmm. know, so um, yeah, it's not uh, it's not wise. No, no. There's a girl who who lost her ratings there, who's a fine controller, right? And it was a situational awareness thing, but it was like at the end of a day, and it's a, you know she's been working two weeks like this, and mm -hmm. one you know one maybe two days off because they have to support the weekend operations mm -hmm. as well, and it's. I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's a better solution. Although one of them is to make sure that all the facility staff have their ratings because they're required to, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the case either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's, uh, so, you know, it's, so, it's so you don't, you don't really have the FAA, like obviously experience or know with all on how that stuff works in the mm -hmm. FAA. What you see in the air force is nothing compared to what, some of the FAA, not to throw the FAA out of the but like yeah. the FAA has got to do what's got to do and yeah. it does it. Um, and we, and you were a supervisor, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you ran a crew, like mm -hmm. all that stuff, but you're still a controller. Yeah. Um, yeah. FAA is kind of, is more uh, management, management versus, versus controllers, yeah. union versus non-union guys, like non-union guys are telling all the union guys what to do. Um, they're, they're running the rotations, they're running the shifts. So, uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of butting heads when it comes to the office first controllers where usually in the air force, for the most part the office is working with the controllers. Like they're sort of, and depending on the facility you're at the FAA, that, that can be the case. But sure. Well, there's a lot of facilities that aren't that. Gotcha. Like that. So there is, they'll get the most out of you or. Sure, I, I mean, which at, is what they're goal, at, what they're supposed yeah, exactly. to do. Yeah, they they, but they need you production. Gotta take, you got to you got to take the person into consideration. Yeah, and absolutely, and morale and all that. But. For sure, for sure. I mean, that's. I think in ATC that that problem gets exacerbated more than say other types of jobs because it's a tribal career field. You mm -hmm. know, when back when I came through, I actually don't know what the current stats are because it's it's a different program now, but the or a different curriculum. But when I came through. If you had 20 people, let me get the numbers right. If you had 20 people in a class, uh, that was reduced by the end of the course to 12, mm -hmm. 12 people. So that's a 40% that's a washout rate, boom, you're not going to make it through. Uh, they had a washback rate of 107%. Now that factors in people that, fact, that wash back more than one time, and some people do not wash back at all. But generally, you're going to face a washback at some point did, did, out there. Is that, is that including non uh, ATC reasons for a washback? Like, uh, like not that they were just struggling. Maybe they had like a medical issue that yeah. they broke their leg and they had to miss two weeks. That's a good question. You know I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not considered. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Which, uh, but, but that would, that, especially the combat controller guys and like all those yeah. guys. Like, I mean, they have injuries and set them back and they're out. For sure. Class. I don't know. So, and then of those eight, or I'm sorry, 12 that are remaining, 50% wash out of the first base, which means out of a class of 20, you're only producing 30% that are going to be controllers. And oh, by the way, that 30% can wash out at any point in their career field. Mm -hmm. Right. So when yeah, you look yeah, at they, that, they, they PCS somewhere and yeah, exactly. You go from Keesler tower to like Nellis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're done. You're done. Mm -hmm. You know, start, start looking for jobs. So mm -hmm. when, uh, when you look at 
a 70% washout rate, which is essentially what it is by the first base. That's a, first of all, it's a tribal, it's one of the more elite career fields mm -hmm. because like PJs have a similar, mm -hmm. Comet controllers have a similar one, but we don't consider air traffic control, but that's what the data says. Mm -hmm. And because of that, when you get your first rating in an ATC facility, like you kind of feel, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I'm getting it. I'm kind of part of the group, but nobody else thinks that mm -mm. because you haven't made it yet. Mm -hmm. You still don't have the badge, mm -hmm. but then there's so many discriminators within ATC, right? So, okay, you got your five level, but you don't have your RAPSI, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have all the positions within the facility, just enough to say that you're a five level, you, you can work without supervision. But then once you get all the position- With middle, with minimal supervision right, right. Without supervision. sure fair enough fair enough yeah, because you <laughs> get to watch too yeah does. yeah but uh uh <laughs> yeah but 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 then after that you go from you go from okay well you're a five level but you're not a trainer and then you're you're a trainer but you're not an nco but then you're an but you're an nco but you're not a watch soup and then all these different things so you you're constantly creating these pockets of 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 people these mm -hmm. these many subcultures within this larger culture and i think a problem where you have like union versus non-union that's kind of a natural way because that's how you survive that's how you're organized within atc into mm -hmm. these many tribes you know so it and the other thing about atc um is we we always feel like we're owed so we're like we're the only people that could do this job. Go find somebody else to do it. So good luck finding yeah. somebody else to do it. So <laughs> Reagan so, tried that. So exactly. So <laughs> when, so when a supervisor or, or manager or somebody like asks for things, which I don't know, I guess as a newer FAA guy, you're like, what's the big deal? He's asking for something and like in some, it's really not a big deal, but some guy that's been in like the movie years. coffee maker. Yeah. It's some, yeah <laughs> like, like it's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, uh, you gotta write an MFR for that or, or something. I don't know. Like, it's just like a, everything is made out to be a big deal because yeah. everybody's so comfortable where they're at. And I don't know. They just, it's it, when I first got to my first field in FAA, I could not believe how unappreciative people were to have that job. Like people just took it for granted. And I can see that not that not that I do now, but I could see more why they acted like that. They act like that, um, but I still don't think it's justified. Like I, yeah, I it's, don't know. It's they just there's a little bit of entitlement, a little like obviously cockiness, which is which is required probably to do the job. Yeah, for the most part, it you got to be confident. You got to you got to make the decisions that you're making. And stand could it by be them. just political strategy? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of. You know, because if 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 somebody does it something, if, if if somebody does something like moves moves a coffee maker, because that's totally ridiculous, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't make a big deal about it, well, then I'm complicit in their arbitrary action. And and yes, and I could see, yeah, it's a lot of like, well, if I let, if I don't complain about this, what's going to come next? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I have to let them know that I'm not okay with this, even though I'm okay with it. But everything you do, I'm going to put a put some put some something some sort so of that, fight. So you're yeah. not going to ask for more later. I could yeah. see that. But because that's kind of what politics is, right? Exactly what it is. Like but you look at like masks, right? It's mm -hmm. it's it's this political issue, which is a ridiculous political issue. Doesn't matter what 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 side you are on it, but the fact that mask is a national debate is kind of silly. Mm -hmm. You know, my own opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where, well, okay, if you believe this and this is your side, well, I'm going to take the opposite because I have to because mm -hmm. I can't be complicit in your arbitrary. Yeah. And that's you why know, you have the two. Like you have like. What's the big deal? Just put your damn mask on. 
And then the other people are like, well, if I put the mask on, what are they going to ask for next? Exactly. And, what are they going to take away next? That's so literally that's the argument. Is. That's yeah. literally all it is. Yeah, that's literally the it argument. It has nothing to do with, are the masks working or not? It has yeah. nothing to do with anything like that. It just yeah. has to do with control and whatever. But, uh -huh. yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, that that is probably what it is in ATC, a little bit of it. But it also is... Pe people really take the job for granted. And it, and when you're a new employee, that, like where like uh, you're waiting, like, right. You're, you're mm -hmm. like, like I'm trying to be part of the club. Like I want, <laughs> like I want, like I, everybody wants this. And then you get in, you're super excited. You show up to your facility. I'm gung ho about training and all that stuff. Yeah. And the 10 year guy, 15 year guys like looking at you, like that'll change in two weeks, like whatever. And it probably, and, and a lot of times it does. And even if you don't you want it to, in, it's like the group kind of oh, man, forces you, you in you it. Kind of, yeah. You, yeah. You will, you will conform, conform to the group. Yeah. Right. Because you want to get certified, right? Fair enough. You're fair gonna get enough. trained by that guy. So, so, you so it's in your best interest to appeal to the favoritism of the people training because they're the kind of gatekeepers again, <clears> makes it tribal part of, part of the club man. makes it tribal. If you're, yeah, that's <laughs> cause you're only, if you don't, if you, I don't know, because uh, go back to my my buddy that with the in route thing and like, I don't know specifics and I'm not saying no. this is why he didn't make it. And maybe he probably has a legit reason why other than, you know, it's not just him giving up. Maybe it's something else. But like, if you don't go in with an open mind and you can disagree with your trainer all you want in your head. But if you argue and stuff like that, like that's you're putting your career on the line. Like you need to be, you didn't even start yet. You couldn't even start yet, but you, I don't know. So it, it's, I tell people when I train them, I, I say it, it's in your best interest to give me the opportunity to be full of shit. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so if I tell you to do something, do it. And then if it doesn't work out, guess what? You can blame me. I'm full of shit. It, yeah. <laughs> you can blame me. Like, so you put can, me in the position to be full of shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, I don't know. And then when you get into live training, like, like outside the, the schoolhouse and all that in FA, like you, your trainer's gonna, there's gonna be times where you do things that are, that are wrong and they're gonna let it go. And they're gonna let it go, let it go, let it go until you can't anymore. And then he, like that person's supposed to take over and fix yeah. it. Um, and then there's gonna be other times where you have a trainer who, tells you what to do before the situ before you even had time to think about oh, what you were supposed yeah. to do or anything because they as a trainer or as an experienced air traffic guy you can see those conflicts further out and sure. way earlier than a trainee um but are you training them yeah you know and so yeah the ability to take to just be just to kind of let go a little bit yeah you got to be as a trainee you have to learn how to make decisions and do all that but you have to let go a little bit and let your trainer do what your trainer says yeah yeah for sure I'm, and then that's why you learn so much more after you're certified 100 percent. look you, you learn everything after you're certified my favorite thing to do and me and phil had talked about this on on the podcast is teach somebody something mm -hmm. i found an affinity for that because you end up when when my grandfather was alive he so he was a student of chess like like he loved chess and he enjoyed playing me in chess that's because I was a moron at chess. So in chess, you have these openings, like they have named openings, mm -hmm. and so you can read those openings, I right? Not, not that I play chess, but when I was younger, I was taught some openings. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's like a formal strategy to chess, but me being a kid and a moron about chess, I know the rules, no opening. I play the game irrationally. Mm -hmm. So, so <clears throat> you might set up an opening and then somebody else sets up a defense and you sort of do this kind of you know, dance, right? But me, 
when you're expecting an opening to go this way and I just randomly go over here, like it, it, it throws your strategy off. So, so he enjoyed that aspect. I never won, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but he, he, he would tell me that. Get him to that think was, outside the box. Yeah, because exactly. when you're playing somebody else's experience, they're going to come back with an opening that, or defense that you've probably seen before. hundred percent. You know what I mean? And then it almost plays itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, uh, and that's a good way to look at it because the game kind of becomes automated, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy stuff, man. <laughs> Man, yeah. yeah, air traffic is just a different beast. It's than a any different other, beast. Than any other career mm -hmm. field ever. Yeah, and and you know what's funny? <laughs> when when you were talking earlier, you were talking with your hand, and I thought, I've I, I've I said do, this. Everyone's I'm Italian, so it's. It well, well, that's that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> two people talk. Two types of people talk talk with their hands. Mm -hmm. uh, Italians and air traffic controllers. Yeah, I got them both. You know, like if if I'm telling if I'm telling my wife about something like an arrival sequence, right? I'll be like, and he was mm -hmm. here, and he's mm -hmm. base. You know, short finally gave traffic. You know, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. But it's so funny that that air traffic controllers kind of just they they have to communicate with with their hands. Mm -hmm. Of course. This is every type of plane right here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, I see a Skyhawk and a 737. Yep, yep, got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you'll like this story. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was working I was working CI one day, and the arrival controller uh, cleared, <laughs> cleared a 172 on final for the ILS, right? It was a practice VFR approach. Mm -hmm. And then the that same controller had a regional jet coming in, and with five miles of difference on final, cleared the regional jet in mm -hmm. and and then shipped in the tower. And by the time I realized it- Frequency set, I get it. Already, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't my frequency anymore, it's not my responsibility. So, so I said, why'd you do that? He's like, what, do what? And I was like, you can't clear that guy, but like he's gonna eat him up. And he goes, he goes, he's VFR. Like front guy's VFR. And I thought like, that doesn't mean he's like, like transparent or, or that like he's not there like exist. yeah exactly so so you're just shoving him down there and it's like it was <laughs> that's like my biggest yeah I, that, that's, that's, that's one, one of those rules yeah yeah, yeah that's it's it's, it's like you can it, i don't know because what you no know, practice approach route no temporary service provider yeah. like all that stuff whatever like that doesn't matter to me I'd, yeah. I'd rather not say that. There's some. There. Hundred percent. I'd I'd rather I'd, provide I'd the rather service. Treat him like he's another like a guy. Like yeah. A, a, a IFR approach. Yeah. I don't care. Like it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Um. And you know why he's doing that approach? To practice to become an IFR pilot. Like sure. that's, that's what he's doing. So you may as well treat Give him, him the like service. that so that he can practice that. Like yeah. That's a of, good point. You know what I mean? Like that, that's how I that's how I always see it. Like that guy is trying to become a pilot mm -hmm. most likely he's most likely training or he's getting proficiency or whatever he's doing but yeah a lot of people are like oh he's outside either the tersa or charlie or bravo like yeah you don't need to provide him that separation i'm like well i know i don't need to but if i'm not busy and i can exactly why not well, i don't know why not yeah and that that goes back to like these these additional services are not uh, are not optional you know if you got the time you got to do it yeah yeah exactly and, and, so even, even when I got to go for it, there was people there like I would be like, oh, you have to say no separate service. I was like, OK, or I could. And, provide it said, and, it said, and, it, and I do have to say like it says I have to say that. But if I don't say that and there and I don't know, there's what's the counter argument that you get. Out so there. a lot of times is, um, well, he's VFR. So if you pin him on an altitude, maintain an altitude till established. What if he goes into a cloud and now he. Now he can't see, and something happens that way, and he's not he's not IFR certified. He's not, you know, or whatever. Um, I don't know. 
So because that guy, that guy, even he knows he's VFR. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't make him IFR. I didn't clear him to that airport. Yeah. Um, I cleared him for the approach because that's what he's practicing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, if he gets, if he sees, if he, I told him maintain three thousand until established or something or whatever. I'm telling him. Yeah. I mean. If he needs to dodge a cloud, he's going to dodge a cloud. Yeah. That's how I feel. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's picking up the Glassville Bulldozer, and, like, he's trying to practice that. But if that was really an issue, he's flying that plane, man. Like, he can he can do that, I think. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't have any pilot experience. I don't have any. Yeah. That. I've, I've had trainers that, that are pilots that have taught me, like, like when I just Giving said. Giving you like, some sort of pilot perspective, yeah. Like, when I just said, like, that guy's practicing to become an IFR pilot. Like, why not do it? Yeah. You know, that's how I, 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 I think know. that not extra work. No, exactly. And, and I think what people forget about that, um, and first of all, it says on initial contact or as soon as possible thereafter. As soon as possible. So, so as soon as possible could be maintain VFR practice, but no separate services provided contact tower. Yeah, exactly. Why, sure. As soon as possible. Yeah. And it also says what the intent is. There's a note right underneath mm -hmm. there that people ignore. It says it, it, it just, it's just advising the pilot that although you're receiving ATC or uh, IFR type services, you're still VFR. So this whole argument about like saying the word clear doesn't matter to me because of that note, mm -hmm. that note makes it okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah, he said clear. There shouldn't be confusion. And by the way, one thing I love about the aim and the point sixty five, they match. They match 100%. There's never been an instance that I've found mm -hmm. where it doesn't mean the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it, People interpret a lot of the There's things. no need to interpret that there one. There isn't. I know, and, and I know that. And that's my argument, too. Yeah. But I don't know. They were taught away. They And they stick with it. And Well, again, back, they would have to, in order for... It's like go. It's like apologizing. In order for you to apologize, you have to let part of yourself die because you were wrong. So that identity that you had about being correct, which is a virtue, mm -hmm. by the way, you know, that part has to die. That's why apologizing. It's it's deeply ingrained in our psyche about about our identity being what is true. You know, it's the whole idea. What is correct is what is true. And so you're discussing a philos you're 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 having a philosophical moment about truth. Like mm -hmm. that's that's why. So, and then. So I, I was at Nellis, I was at Jacksonville, and I'm at Gulfport. And I would say Gulfport's probably the slowest, least complex place I've been. Okay. Not to say that it's not complex or too slow. Or were you at Jack like Center, or were you? Uh, I was at tra uh, Tracon, okay. up down. So I was tower and radar over there. Um, but, uh, and I didn't, I didn't go into Gulfport, or like saying, like I knew everything, or I, I tried not to. Um, cause I don't, cause it, it, it's different airspace. There's different, like there's, they do things differently there. Different sure. Way. Every place you go to, that's what's going to happen. But there's definitely a lot of times where I corrected trainers while I was a trainee, mm -hmm. not corrected like on the spot, like afterwards and be like, Hey, no, this is actually what it's supposed to be. And it's something that that person has been doing their whole career or how yeah. they, they've been there the whole, they've only been to Gulfport, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years, they've only been at Gulfport. So they don't they don't necessarily realize there is a different way to do it or, or they've been doing it wrong this whole time because nobody's been correcting them. And it's not like wrong, like dangerous. Yeah. It's just not exactly what you're supposed to do. Sure. Um, and it, I really try hard not to be like correcting people because nobody wants that guy at work. But there's a couple of times where I was like, no, like it says it right here. 
what, yeah. we're, what we're supposed to do. And just because you've been doing it like this for 10 years doesn't mean that's how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. It's really hard to do that sometimes. For sure. For sure. And and it's tough too, because anytime you're, you, you try to correct, you're, you're kind of having a mini argument, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, so there's Especially some. Especially when the other person's just stubborn as well, mm-hmm. you know, and then they'll, they'll, they'll try to manipulate the point sixty five. And being like, and they'll go to some other chapter and be like, well, it says this here. And I'm like, that doesn't, like, I don't, that has but, nothing to do with it. But like, the operations don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but I, this, and this, that's, that's personalities too. Like, that's, yeah. I, you're going to run into that in any yeah. career field, really. But yeah, we, we're supposed to have like this book to go back to to back ourselves up. Yeah. Um, that we're supposed to follow and but you also have to be kind of egotistical to be a to be yeah. air traffic controller well, so so that comes into it also yeah, you, you know have to. And, and you wouldn't want anybody that you really wouldn't want anybody that wasn't to do the job because then they don't the confident you don't have the confidence in them when you're working with them like you want i'm working tower they're working radar i want to have confidence in the radar controller to not screw me over and i want i don't want to screw them over and like yeah so you want them to have that confidence for sure. One of, one of the uh, one of the students one time asked me, "Hey, what what facility should I go to if I want to be trained the best?" Just one of these general random. You know what I said? I said any facility I'm at. <laughs> That's what I said, and 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 they kind of laughed, but I had a serious face, mm-hmm. and I said, "Let me explain to you why I say that because you have to have a bit of arrogance about yourself mm-hmm. and a bit of confidence, right? You got to turn it off when you leave the IFR room mm-hmm. or or the tower cab, but it's the difference of this traffic twelve o'clock five miles westbound B thirty five, mm-hmm. you know, you know, or or traffic twelve o'clock five mm-hmm. miles westbound B thirty five, you know, stuff like that. Like it's 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 a difference in the way you speak that mm-hmm. gives confidence to the pilot." There's you know, a tone. Yeah, you have to. I mean, because pilot pilots know the pilots will figure it out and they you don't sound confident and you're busy. You're rambling on. You're giving bad traffic calls or being like traffic one o'clock. Oh, no, 11 o'clock. Like, you know, yeah. what I mean, going, you know, doing stupid stuff like that, which is going to happen, especially when you're newer. But um, that confidence, then they don't listen to you or uh, yeah. you'll, you'll give them an instruction. I've had. And they'll you'll, question it. You'll either question it or they'll ignore you. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, I don't want to do that. So they don't say anything back. And then you have to, then you, then you're busy and you have to repeat that instruction. And instead of going to do what you planned on doing. Um, so, but if you had confidence, look, I ran into a lot in Jacksonville with weather. Sure. Weather. Like so, probably the end of summer, in the afternoon, all that, that afternoon rain that just flows through that area. Dude, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I was the in South Georgia. Through there. Yeah. The same, yeah. yeah. That's the same thing. Um, and uh, if you don't like, you'll you'll have a hole for the weather that you see on your radar, and they have the uh, regional pilots and stuff. They have different yeah uh, radar on theirs. Color weather radar, yeah. Yeah, and it, the timing is different. Like they might like I might I I'm mine's usually precipitation. It's all precipitation for me, but um, it's usually pretty accurate. Uh, where theirs might be either delayed or. Or maybe it's, I don't, I don't know, but. It, well, it's also a difference in the, where they're getting the information because a limitation by Doppler radar is mm-hmm. that it can't penetrate. And so they're seeing it, they're seeing it laterally. You're seeing it from top down. Mm-hmm. So you actually have the more accurate mm-hmm. picture. But, um, so that's what crashed Air France 447 mm-hmm. is they were painting, what they were painting was kind of green, like they could fly through it. And it was from Rio de Janeiro to, to, um, Paris 
and they were painting some cells that they could fly through, but immediately behind that were cells they couldn't. And it contained super cooled water, froze over the pitot tubes, crashed the jet, whatever. But that's that's a limitation to the color weather radar is they can't see behind that. Mm-hmm. But my my estimation is that pilots don't understand that that limitation, and that's why they might question it. Uh, yeah, like and, and like question ATC. They uh, over the last year or two, I think that. Um, sorry, they. Uh, You're good. They've gotten better even with CBTs and stuff like that to explain mm-hmm. what we see and what pilots see, and I think pilots are going through that same training so that we Eight. can we can paint a better. We can I can tell you what I see. You can add that to what you see and then make decisions. And then going back to the confidence thing, I can be like, hey, I just had another regional jet go through this hole right here. Sure, it's a small. It's only three miles wide. And it's moving, and maybe you got a pie rep too. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. And and it's all in, and I'm like, because I've had that happen where a guys like, I'm not going that way. All I see is purple, mm-hmm. like you know, I'm not going that way. And I'm like, well, I just had somebody go three miles east of that, and it was clear, like literally clear. And it's purple on the other side of that three miles too. But you just got to hit that hole, otherwise you're not getting out of here. Like yeah. it's just that's that's the line is too long. Like you're not going to get out of here sure. unless you get up way above it. But um, and it's worked mm-hmm. and that's the confidence and your voice and your, all that. Go you know on. how, you know how controllers roast each other, like in the IFR room, if, mm-hmm. if they do something like stupid, <laughs> like it's like a 40 minute roast because you said one small thing oh, in man. a fraction of a second. So there was a, there was a time where shout out to Sam Jackson. He was, uh, he was one of my trainers at, at, uh, at, at Moody when I got there, but he was having a, a, a tough day, probably probably drank a little too much, you know, the night prior, you know. And that is 12 hours of it. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. And, and then he had... That's Air Force. It's only eight in the FAA. Hey now, mm-hmm. hey now. <laughs> <laughs> you come in nice and prime. You primed. had a day shift, you yeah. got to be done by 10. Yeah, so he came, uh, he came to work and he was just kind of botching, like just his words, you know, and one of the pilots, and he was a rated trainer, you know, facility mm-hmm. rated. And he said, hey, uh, approach, is it possible we can get a rated controller? Oh, yeah. Now, you can imagine, you can imagine how hilarious that would have been. Mm-hmm. You know? And the watch soup keyed up and said, hey, hey, this is watch soup. He's good. He's, he's having a rough day. He is a rated controller. <laughs> so I got a good story for like that. At Nellis, there was a guy who had been there forever, really good controller, mm-hmm. re- like strong controller at Nellis. And uh, he said he was working by himself. And I think he probably only had like one plane, like it was slow. And he said something and it was completely wrong. <laughs> and he realized it right after he said it, it was wrong. So he keyed up again and he said, Sorry, training in progress, and he corrected it like he was the like he was the trainer. Oh, I love that! Yeah, he, I love he, that. So he fixed it. I've done way. that to a five level just yeah. to you know just yeah, just no, for yeah, fun. He yeah, did it to yeah. Himself, working by himself, nobody watching him, nobody doing anything. He's like, sorry, training in progress, and he fixed it. Yeah. Did he change his voice? I, I guess he did a yeah. little bit, but I'm sure the pilot was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's saying Oh, that's nah, hilarious. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's so funny. We had a guy who could do uh, a really good Christopher Walken. And so, and so on the weekends he would, he would control like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty funny. That's cool. One time there was a pilot I had, it was, it was on a weekend. It was during a bowl, uh, bowl game mm-hmm. like that, that time of year. Anyway, he's like, Hey approach, is there any way we could get uh, the score to the North Dakota game? 
Roger, stand by. And so we we look it up, and I tell him, and he says, Roger, thanks. I said, uh, you and tens of fans must be super stoked right now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's cool. But, you know, something I found interesting, I, so at Moody, again, I it was tough. The things that I'm, like, understand very well now are the things I struggled with when I got into ADC, especially VFR mm-hmm. and non-radar. And I got really good BFR at both. On top. What's that? VFR on top. Is that one of yours? No. But oh, okay. I mean, that's that's it, another it one was, too. It was. It yeah. was because it's not just it's it's a thing that's not used a lot. Not it's used. Like this, Very misunderstood. This, this special phrase. I mean, not special, but like specific phraseology that's just not used a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's everybody's struggle at some point, and then you figure it out. But. Yeah. So within within non radar, what I ended up being practically is is the person who would get people who were struggling through non radar out of non-radar, right? Mm-hmm. I was very good at it. And so I had uh, I had this one this one trainee who was struggling. He was on his way out, right? Luckily we got him rated, but in the process, so he was a former cornerback at UAB. Mm. Uh, so we were in this non-radar sim. I guess there's two stories here. We were in this non-radar sim and I usually ran like a 45 minute sim. They only needed to run like a 15 minute sim, but you know, it's one of those things, right? And so we're getting in there and about like, I'm going to cut it short at about 30 minutes. We're at minute like 22 and he loses separation. He doesn't notice it. And so we get done. I was like, how do you think he did? He's like, yeah, I think I did pretty well. And then I told him the conflict and he got mad and, and he picked up the strip and he looked at it and then he just threw it, threw it against his, his, uh, his rack. And he's like, uh, you're making me do things that other people don't have to do. And I said, uh, and I said, okay. Well, first of all, correct. That's a good observation. And I said, but you were a cornerback, right? Like, yeah. And I was like, is there ever been a time in a game where you played harder than you've ever practiced? He's like, no. I was like, that's exactly what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. I, I, could, I could put you up right now, but I'm not worried about you applying. I'm worried about it actually going on radar in your cert. What if that happens? Mm-hmm. And you now have the gravity of this. And you're going give, to give the airspace up because that's – that's what we did, but I need to make sure that you, you can handle that weight, you know, and on his cert day, he applied, uh, he applied a rule for lateral separation, uh, using degree divergence, but he used GPS instead of a radial. Mm -hmm. Right. So this has been, since I started training, this paragraph has been a rule. You can use it. You just can't track awake because it uses GPS. So you can maintain GPS track two, navigation, but you can't track from a waypoint. So you can literally pick any waypoint, any named waypoint, and you can apply degree divergence using the uh, GNSS table. Mm -hmm. And you can actually apply degree divergence that way. But I could see when he picked out because he picked the initial approach fix for one of the approaches. And he just had two aircraft just to kind of deconflict them. And then he stopped using it. But I saw his face because I was in the room for it. And he's was like, you know, gave Gave one of those. And so after the same, he's like, well, you didn't pass because you did this. And then he was able to recite exactly why he mm-hmm, did it. Mm-hmm. But the evaluator still didn't like it because it, it was one of those. Well, I've I've never done that. Yeah. Nobody's ever seen it. Right. We had to go to the chief controller with the with the NSC. And then he, he explained it. And it's it's in there. It's not a change bar next to mm-hmm. it. Nothing. Right. So uh, the chief controller actually overrode. Yeah. The, the evaluator, which was really cool. But, you know, again, it goes back to, to, to some of the, some of what we were talking about 
about one, uh, maybe confidence. There's, there's, there's some of that in there, but also kind of actually knowing, knowing the book, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> so we, we say that all the time, like know what rule you're breaking. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's, that's normal. Um, cause especially the degree of divergence, like a lot of people are, that's tough aren't one. comfortable with it yeah. or scared of it. I don't know. I, I like to use it. I, that's, that's the primary it's way. It's so easy. Like, yeah. Eve, cause now with, the new systems with stars and everything like they can when you don't have separation it like it snitches I mean, they call it snitch like it it'll um create a report and send it to the to that to atlanta and and then then it trickles really? back down to the region back down to your facility like dude if you if you for the most part if you bust separation it's it, it's not like uh somebody dropped their pencil anymore and didn't see it like it's and it's even, it's going to get even, it's going to be even worse now really? here, here this next year. We just had a, I just had a, uh, an Elms a bit CBT training that, um, their new system that's, I think it's called Aries or something. I don't remember it now, but I just yeah. did it last week, but, um, I mean, it makes sense because they're probably going to leverage the ADSB technology in that yes, too, right? Yes. Yeah. ADS, oh. that, that, that's what they're doing. Okay. It's, it has a lot to do. So my, I had, we, I did that briefing through a zoom meeting and, um, my first question was like, so what about passing and diverging? Is it, is it good? Every time we do passing and diverging, like, is it going to kick it out? Like, cause they're supposed to use them. So now it's not even going to be when you bust separation necessarily. It's going to be when some, something wasn't safe. So there's no, whatever action, that means, there's no, whatever that means. So there's no quantitative thing. Like it's not three miles, thousand and three. It's something like, uh, you were maybe uh, your decision to fix it wasn't done in a timely manner. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. And it could be anything. So, I, so that's why my first question was like passing divergence. So every time I do this, you're, it's going to like, I don't have none, nowhere close to three miles, but it is according to the book. Good. It's going to kick something out every time. So, and they, I would hope that they would have a level of analysis of, of something like that where they would say, okay, well, we can, we can throw this one out. But, but my fear is that what's going to happen at least is that they're going to have a discussion with you. You know what I mean? I know. That, and, and that's and then, the most then, annoying part. The people that aren't comfortable using passive diversion are just not going to use it anymore. And when, if you're busy enough, that, that's, it, it makes, can make life a lot easier. And, uh, that's what I, that's what I was kind of worried about too. Um, but, it's supposed to be much more like the algorithms are supposed to be way more complex and be able to recognize those things. Bro, it's Skynet, man. Yeah. They're coming for your job. <laughs> when, when do you think it's, 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 I don't know. It's going to happen. Nah. I think there's what only two or three like virtual towers in the U S I think there's more in Europe, but so, but that requires a lot of money from the airlines and they're not going to spend it. I think, I think that's what it is. Um, so the technology is all there. hundred percent. It. It's all yeah. there. It's sitting there, but it's going to cost billions of dollars to put that equipment on airplanes. Who's going to put it on the airplanes? I don't know, man. Well, okay. Is the, is, You're talking it, about it, a retrofit so, type of situation. Yes. So okay. it, the airlines want the FAA and to, you know, split the bill with them or whatever. And like, who's going to put all, I mean, all the technology has to be at every, you know, just about every airport. Mm -hmm all that kind of stuff. Cause you're going to have other smaller airports that are just not going to have it. Obviously they'll probably I create think. different class of airports Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Which there is already, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, in to an extent. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, a lot of it is just money. It's just 
the time it's going to take and the money because there's a lot of airplanes. I kind of think I that think there's right. a, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think the process would be through attrition, but mm -hmm. I think also with the, with the design element, first of all, if you don't have pilots, I don't, I think there will, I think the first generation will be, you'll reduce down to a single pilot that's on board the plane. Uh, that's also a systems operator. So he's going to be sort of a, um, like, like a computer guy that's also capable of landing the plane. That's, that's, that's my initial um, thought. But imagine all the, say, the space you save for like an entire flight deck, all the like bunks on, mm -hmm. on, on larger aircraft. Well, now we can monetize that, that space and put more seats. Mm -hmm. There's that. We pay less money for, for pilots, for pensions, because I think pilots have a pretty good pension. You know, so there's 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 money to be yeah. reallocated there, but and it's getting worse. Yeah, I'm gonna turn this AC down, man. It's, yeah, it's cold. Yeah, a little chilly. Yeah, all good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, an idea that the controller that I knew uh, in Jacksonville, uh, they were talking about, and to save money and fuel and stuff was to go to a uh, some type of. I guess battery powered or solar or something for taxiing. Just for taxiing. Because I don't know the numbers at all. I don't, I haven't looked up to this, but it's a significant amount of the gas is used on taxiing. I believe that. Or being idle or sit, you know, there's, if, you know, if there's um, <clears throat> edicts or, you know, obviously delays, release times and stuff. And they're at the end of the they're at the end of the runway. They're shutting down engines and they're waiting. And like, hey man, I'm gonna need a heads up before my time, and so I can start the you know put the other engine on or whatever I'm doing. But so and taxiing out and depending on how big of the airport, like you can go to Atlanta, you go oh, to, sure. you're taxiing forever, or you're in line waiting, mm -hmm. you know, in line and engines are running and like all that, like where you might be able to use use a lot less gas you and it doesn't the batteries don't have to be as strong or you're not flying the planes so yeah with yeah it, but you no, i like that idea it. um and uh what else and then it, batteries die you have you have your engines like you can go to gas like whatever sure. you know what i mean there's something yeah. like that um yeah but I, like I, that. I think i think that that was a good good idea i don't know i don't know if that was something that he uh, actually read about or if that was his like an idea that he had or whatever but i just remember that idea and i was like that that's very clever yes yeah. because that would be like we're not going to do electric planes mm -hmm. all the time like i mean maybe when the, if that ever came to but that's a good idea while they're on the ground nothing nothing can really go wrong on the ground yeah with that yeah. i don't think i don't know but yeah I, that i mean tesla that can, tesla can come up with a battery for airplanes sure. <laughs> to have them taxi I'm it sure. wouldn't surprise me if elon has an entire plan of how to fix that yeah, that yeah. entire problem yeah. but it's probably that's probably like so old what i just said I mean, like, <laughs> that was an idea maybe it, it, it was i mean it's i mean it's a good idea to me um yeah man i had a thought about that oh yeah what do you think about maybe charging general aviation for ifr service yeah, that's that's like an ongoing joke, right? Like, because <laughs> they're getting a lot of infrastructure for free, for sure. It's it it's nuts. Yeah, that like crazy. Yeah, the like everything is um, like. Of course, there's there's landing fees and and there's there's fuel. A lot of the fuel goes goes back to the aviation industry, but most of it is just commercial aviation. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's it's. <sighs> And I don't think I don't think it would be that bad. I mean, even any money, but 
would be great, but they're taking advantage of the radar. They're taking advantage of the controller. Mm-hmm. They're taking advantage of the star system, that, all and, that stuff. And that's why, that's why that, the, the frequency we use are using are 80 years old or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. they are. Um, because this is what you get unless you, there has to be a joint effort going back to ADSB and like all that stuff and putting that, the advanced technology on planes. Like there has to be give on both sides to, yeah upgrade like vors and stuff like they're oh those are going away yeah right? yeah for so, sure for sure because it's but they're the same vors they're still using them now but they're the same vors mm-hmm. from when flying started yeah you know what i mean so um i don't know i was going with that but well the point is what you, you you've got to bring revenue in into this yeah, in order uh, to attrit the system and update it and whatnot and and it should be from them and not from student pilots that are trying to become because it's expensive to try to become a pilot. It's very expensive. Like over the last five, 10 years, it's gotten like ridiculous. Oh yeah. It used well, to not be as bad gas prices, blah, blah, blah in time. But I did a podcast with, uh, Jay- Jamie, arena. He's a, he's a regional pilot up in, or no, he's, I think he's on, I think the seven fifty seven mm-hmm. or seven. It's either 57 or the triple seven. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about, I asked him to walk us through him getting a pilot's license and then at each step and like, okay, so how much are you into it now? Okay. How much are you into it now? And he blew a hundred thousand dollars like, like no, that. Yeah. And that's the problem too, is because I think the, I think the FAA changed the requirement for your ATP so much longer. You have to need a lot more hours. Exactly. Now, which, which so much more money as a result, they, they created like, well, a problem that and economists love, they say, okay, well, you, we've, we dried up the supply of pilots, right? So we have to increase the salary to attract pilots, which means we're taking pilots from the military and all that experience. So there's, there, there was this mass exodus, mm-hmm. which means now they had to start offering quarter million dollar bonuses to these Air Force pilots. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge problem. And I don't, I don't know, I, I shouldn't really have an opinion on it because I haven't read why they did it. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a problem. I mean, they're, they're, they're making it more, more difficult for... I mean, you have to you have to fly an RJ for so long now, getting paid forty thousand dollars a year, and maybe. that is a tough. Like that's that's probably the worst part of 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 becoming a pilot. Yeah, and you have to do that for how long now? It used to not be as mm-hmm. bad, but you have to do that for so long now to make no money traveling around the country. You know, crazy hours, whatever. Yeah, just to that's because you're lucky enough to like you're lucky to have that job. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy now. Yeah, it's really like so many people that are. It has it's same thing with the ATC with the baby boomers and all that stuff. Everybody's mm-hmm. retiring at once, and now we don't have anybody to replace them. And uh, Manning is the numbers are so bad. I'm oh, right you, here, oh, brother. You ready? <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. And, and you're it, hiring freezes and then yeah, furloughs yeah. and. Because anytime there's any kind of furlough or anything, government shutdown, mm-hmm. that academy in Oklahoma City shuts down, and two, uh, you know, a month long furlough is not putting the FAA behind it by a month. It's like it's like years, right? It's like crazy. You know what I loved? Uh, it was in I think it was 2020. God, there's there's so many things happening this year, but um, so when they had the government shutdown, right? And the controllers basically told the airlines, okay, look, we, we, we can't pump as many planes out, right? And, and I think this happened at one of the airports in 
in New York. I think that same day they passed a continuing resolution. So, so that was, yeah, that was, I think it was JFK. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. banged, which banged is calling in sick. I don't know if you, yeah. that's FA term. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you had some context yeah, there, yeah, if I'm yeah. honest. It's called, it's called banging. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. It's calling in sick. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then in, they can't really say no. So you call like it's not like the Air Force like okay well if you're sick you need to go to the flight dock and and, and have and a valid that you're sick yeah exactly so then so that you don't have to come back to work right? yeah like, it was like a four hour process I may as well have gone to work like, yeah I don't know but no not in the FAA FAA you can call and be like hey I'm not coming in well it showed how much how much and power dude, air traffic controllers had dude, and because it, it got to, it got crazy at that at that point it was nuts and then that day. Mm-hmm. Literally every, and I knew everybody like air traffic controllers knew JFK was basically shut down because everybody called in. And then by noon, Trump was on saying, okay, we, we signed something. Like we're good. <laughs> uh, sorry. That, <laughs> like, t- look, look has, has something like that ever happened? Like that serious? I mean, because they, they literally uh, showed like within, within half a day. It was that, literally half a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said, done. yeah, Exactly. But they 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 had the you know the government by the you know whatever and it's it's well so we're, un, we're government union not mm-hmm. allowed to strike but can't take away our sick leave so I mean, at the moment you know whatever but yeah um going back to banging they uh so <laughs> yeah it, when I was in Jacksonville, I, I would like to get back to that <laughs> when, when, I, when I was at Jacksonville um we had what was called web banging so <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Our schedule is done is, is done online, right? So it's 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 through a website, and so you can see your schedule, see you're working with whatever for weeks, and uh, you can make all your requests too: annual leave, sick leave, whatever you want. And um, it's like I got the flu on July 18th. So <laughs> I don't know of any other facilities that were doing it, um, but usually what you have to do is you can make that request online, and then you call the facility, say, "Hey, I'm not going to make it. I put in my request for sick leave." Um, and it's approved, you know, it's, it's approved because it's sick leave and, uh, they're not really allowed to ask questions, whatever. You don't need a doctor's note till after three or four days. Like, so I, you can call in six or three days and come back to work and like nothing happened. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, they can't say, why were you out? They can't mm. even ask you. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's part of union. That, that's like part of the, uh, privacy contract, oh, okay. and, like what our contracts says. Anyway. Um, but at Jacksonville, as long as you did it within a certain time frame, so if you had an 8 o'clock shift, as long as you did it about two hours before your shift, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, you can put the request online and assume that it was done. So you never even had the call work. You didn't have to call, talk to the supervisor, talk to a manager. You just did that. So I can, I, I have an opener on, at 6 o'clock tomorrow. It's 10 o'clock at night. I don't want to go to work. 10 o'clock at night, I say I'm sick. It's on there. I don't go to work the next day. What? <laughs> That's hilarious. Isn't that crazy? I joke around and say, hey, I, hey, I, I want I you to know I'm going to have the flu tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, 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 like you're leaving work and like, I think I'm like, you start sniffling past your supervisor and you're walking out. Like, whatever. But um, I don't think it's a thing anymore. I, don't, I, I think because it got abused. Oh, I, I have no doubt. Oh, man. It got abused. Um. Yeah, it was crazy because initially it used to be. Uh, initially, it was there was no time frame. You could it's you're supposed to be there at ten. It's ten o'clock. I put it in online. 
then I, that's it. Like, yeah. I'm not coming in that day. And they're expecting you. They, they may have to call in overtime because you're not there or something. Um, but uh, then, it, then it got to, oh, now if, if you're on this shift, it has to be at least two hours before, or three hours before, or whatever. Otherwise, you have to call. Not yeah. that you can't call in sick, but you you would have to call. Sure. Which w- At that point, people were so spoiled with the web banging that like calling to call and tell you that you're sick, which is going to be approved anyway, was like like a small feat. Like you had, I have to call somebody and tell them I'm sick. Like <laughs> yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I just want to do it on my phone like, <laughs> and not talk to anybody. Um, but yeah, that was crazy. Web banging. I got to tell There's you, banging and web banging. the, the explanation <laughs> of those two terms didn't go in any direction that I initially <laughs> thought. <laughs> CFA. So, so look, man, you know, we can transition a bit from, from, uh, from, from ATC. So you got an ATC and then you join the FA and whatnot, and you're obviously married. What do you do when you're not doing ATC? Um, well, I have four kids. Okay. Um, 11, six, four, and two. So that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, what do y'all enjoy doing? My oldest is playing travel ball right now. Oh, cool. So that's like everything right now um, for the most part. Uh, and now uh, the six-year-old like wants, like is, uh, that's my my only girl. But she's really into it now too. So I, baseball is in our in our house is like all day, every day. Okay. Um, which I love. Like never get sick of it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of you without a Yankees hat on. It's hard to find one. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably cause I don't have any hair, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah. Baseball is pretty much everything. And then, uh, Bianca, she has her bakery, mother goose. Bakery. That's right. Mother goose bakery. I've seen that. Um, so we're busy with that. Mm-hmm. And now where I'm in my situation where I'm home, most home all the time, um, we're taking, we've taken on more with that because I'm available more to help with the kids and yeah run yeah. around a little bit and um so she we're super busy with that all the time okay so. well, that's, that's nice good. yeah that's yeah, sweet i didn't yeah. know that that was like so so did she have formal training in that or not at all okay yeah, we, we just talked about this yesterday or something yeah last night we were talking about somebody said oh uh yeah my mom taught you how to bake huh like like an old friend and i was like no like nobody no actually nobody taught me how to bake i mean <laughs> she's watched youtube videos and whatever like everybody else does but isn't that amazing? No, man. And and she is good. Like, yeah, it's unreal. I don't yeah, think she's she's, a, I, like I, we have not had some, knock on wood, but we like there's no complaints. So I didn't know that she did that until actually this this morning because Jillian Langlinez. Mm-hmm. We hung she, out with her last night. Yeah. So so she posted uh, that her kids love making uh, some. Some some treat, um, and she tagged Bianca and and also the Facebook page, and that's mm-hmm. when I put it together. I suspected because I think you had shared some some from yeah, and yeah, and and, and she that. did too, and, and it was pretty consistent. I thought like, well, maybe this is a close friend, but no, uh, yeah, but no. yeah, <laughs> no, no. no uh, but that's cool. No, it's it's really awesome. Yeah, um, we're still playing with the idea of because it's been just over a year that she's been doing this uh-huh. um we're still playing with the idea of going brick and mortar sometime someday or yeah we'll see just gotta find it's hard finding you know either lease on a building 
getting land, building a building, and doing I don't know. I know, yeah, yeah. I don't know what we're gonna do, but yeah, I rolled into this by 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 happenstance. It was yeah, just no, a storage was, room, and yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, some people, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Take advantage of it. Well, whatever. that's well, that's the thing, you know, when when you're military, it's 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 harder to kind of find that network. And then moving back here, I walked into just kind of an old network of mm -hmm. of, of people, and and that's been great. Um, I've I've got a friend who's who's trying to who's who's got a podcast as well. And, um, it's, it's called the tell me something podcast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, shout out to Cruz and Holly, but they, uh, but they kind of, they do a lot of episodes them, them themselves because like they can talk to people at work, but you kind of have to really diversify yourself. Right. And, and, and talk to multiple people. And when you're at home and you have like a big, big network, like I've got, I'm trying to work out talking to, um, uh, somebody in the state legislature, I was able to talk to Shay, Shay Dobson because mm -hmm. we know each other from from uh, from high school and whatnot. So we've got the mayor on. I mean, yeah. and the twenty other mayors that are running this year. Yeah, no. <laughs> this <laughs> is going to be so mayors, much fun. People, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really hoping that so that many. I can get some of them on here, and uh, you know maybe they can use this as 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 kind of a platform. But yeah, uh, but we'll see. And of course. So I don't know if you listened to the Shay, Shay, Shay Dobson one, but when he started talking about it, like you could, you could hear, like I could see his body language, but you could hear this like competitive spirit. Mm -hmm. Like he was ready. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever you're going to say, you're going to say, but I'm, but I'm going to have an opportunity to, mm -hmm. to, uh, say some things That's as well. Cool. So yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting, but mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> when does that start? Early like campaign, campaign, like when early is, next year. Yeah, they, they year, should be they should be canvassing now. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. That's cool for sure. But yeah, man. So so pre COVID, right? What mm -hmm. did y'all enjoy doing and getting out to do? Um, because you do a lot of running, don't you? So the running thing, I'm not. I don't. I don't call myself a runner. Okay. I. I've learned a lot in the last year about running. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I had a buddy at work uh, at Gulfport, Ryan, who is a runner, runs a lot, has mm -hmm. run a lot of marathons and blah, blah, blah. But I definitely learned how to run from him and how to train for a marathon because I did a marathon. Like run from him? Like he's always cheating. from him, yeah. <laughs> um, And uh, I, I don't know why I did. I, I guess I know why I did. I had cancer last year, and I – was like, man, I need to do something to challenge myself after the fact, like after I had a couple surgeries and stuff. Um, and I was literally three weeks post-op for my second surgery and I went and ran and then I just kept running and, um, decide, I actually decided before the first time I ran, I was like, I'm going to run the rock and roll marathon in New Orleans in February. So this was uh, beginning of September and I was like, I'm gonna last run year. In February. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I, uh, and I ran it this year in February. Wow. Um. Yeah, but before that, I was not a runner at all. Yeah, and I, I I do it now a little bit. Like I'll run four or five miles here and there. Like I ran five miles a couple of days ago, and it's at this point like running. If as long as I do it every couple, you know, once mm -hmm. a week, every two weeks or something like that, it, it, I can run five miles anytime. Sure. Um. But yeah, it was just a challenge to challenge myself and see if I can stick to some kind of routine and running five, six days a week to mm -hmm. building up miles. And I ran, you know, 20 miles a couple times before I even did my marathon. Like I ran from the nugget to Lorraine Cowan and back 
which was 20. Um, which was like crazy. Like, that's crazy. I ran yeah. from my house, which I live right over here in, off 57 by the high school, kind of. Okay. I ran from there to the Nugget. Actually, there to like Keesler, uh, White Ave. Yeah. Right, you know, that entrance there. And then then run back to like the Y or something from there. And that's mm-hmm. usually around 20. Um, so that was, it was cool to challenge myself and do that stuff or whatever. Kind of hurt myself a little bit. So a lot of training was injured. So my marathon, I was actually hurt, but I still, I ran like 419, which my goal was under four, but that didn't happen. I'm going to do it again. It just takes a lot. It's a yeah. lot, man. Yeah. Four kids and trying to do other stuff and it's just a lot of time. Yeah. It's, there's, there's, there's a cost opportunity element there, uh, which I love. And I, People say like, oh, that runner's high, and like, I love to real run. And people are like, I like, I run a mile, and like, I, I hate it. That's, but that's a real but thing. That though. is super real. That's man. a real thing. Super yeah. real. Like that's, there would that's be time. The endorph- I'd, like, yeah. I'd wake up and like, we would have something to do, and I'm like, hey, I just gotta go do like four real quick. Like, I just gotta go. Like I'm talking to Bianca, and like, I'm like, I'm gonna leave you the kids for a minute. Like, I gotta go do it. It's just like weird. Yeah, it's there. It's it's a thing. But you know, it's it's so you've got let's see, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and cortisol. Those are the kind mm-hmm. of the, the primary neurochemicals in your brain that, that that get you to do and not do things. And and endorphins, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's as addictive as dopamine. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like you can you can cha- you can get addicted to causing yourself pain. There's an entire element on, you know, some of those, mm-hmm. you know, non family friendly sites that mm-hmm. that you know is is probably dedicated to that. But, um, the idea is, yeah, you're just masking, masking your physical pain. Anybody who's, who's ever laughed long, long enough or hard enough to where like they say it hurts, but they feel amazing afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's because endorphins are masking that you're convulsing your internal organs whenever, whenever you're laughing <laughs> that hard. So yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's crazy. It, it's, it, it's, it's cool. Our bodies I, are amazing, man. And, but it's crazy how you can do that. And then I, like there was a, after the marathon, I let myself heal a little bit. And then I started running again, and one week I ran 50 miles in a week, which is a lot of miles. I ran like 10 miles at a time, pretty much five days a week, and uh, and it was so easy to get up and go run 10 miles. I was just like, let's go do it. And then COVID kind of hit, and I don't know what happened. Motivation just went, <laughs> and I was busy. I was busy. <laughs> Me at home. too. I was busy at home, and like I had I I was we were busy with the bakery and stuff, and. I still had time to do it. Not like, I had, not like I didn't have time. Not maybe not run ten a day, but I still had time to do it. But I just did it. And it, like literally, I ran like fifty miles in a week, and then I like I didn't run. I've like got forever. I've got a like, full what? home gym at the house, right? And so, but I'm uh, <laughs> I'm way out of shape. I I pretty much. I don't know if it's like some subliminal act in solidarity, right? But but I didn't work out mm-hmm. the entire time in, in COVID. It's you like, why? why? Most you people know? have more time gonna, now. I could have come out of this so much better. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I just start, like, I worked out the Y. I used to work out of the Y a lot, and I, mm-hmm. I'm back in the Y now because they started childcare again. They didn't have childcare for the yeah. longest time. Yeah. Or then they did have childcare, but they didn't take uh, kids that weren't potty trained or something. So my youngest. That's a weird thing. Yeah, I was like, what's for, the difference? For COVID? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Sounds like we're just taking advantage of that opportunity yeah, to not yeah, have to yeah, deal with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, what I, that's what I was thinking, too. Um, so they finally started, you know, maybe a month ago or something like that. So I'm like three, four weeks into, like, actually back in the gym working out and doing stuff. So Yeah. And I went through a little bit of depression there, too. Like, it's oh, over the I, summer. Like, over sure. the summer. And, like, you know, maybe I kind of some, had some heart-to-hearts where I'm like, man, like, what am I doing? 
you know, especially being out of work, being out of work and stuff, being out of work and getting fat and like all that, you know, and <laughs> kind of feeling like you just like just you know dealing with the kids all day, like all that stuff, like it wears on you. And then finally, I found some motivation and getting physical workout in. It like completely changes everything. So that's why like the whole lockdown, yeah. shutting down gyms, stuff like that. That's real, man. Like mm-hmm. if that's not available to people, like people. Well, I think we're meant to, you know, going back to like in, in endorphins and, and dopamine whatnot. We're created. I believe this. I believe that we're created to work. Like, I don't think that retirement is a thing for me. I don't think I'm going to retire because so many people fall apart when they exactly, like, exactly. Like you lose your purpose mm-hmm. and, and we're animals of purpose. Like we have to have intention and purpose. And, and to take that away, I think, I think it, it takes away the primal essence of who we are. And I think that affects us, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you see it all the time. Like, so we talk about, go back to ATC and like air and military being in air traffic control and military. So you have military which um, after you retire in the military, like life expectancy, like there's all these studies on that. Like a lot of people die, like they only do 20 years and they might be 40 when mm-hmm. they retire, but they don't last much longer after that unless they find that purpose. Yeah. Um, and then you throw air traffic control on top of that, which is like a double whammy when it comes mm-hmm. to purpose. And yeah. Because a lot of people take pride in air traffic control and they're like, again, it's a tribe. Like you've, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of your identity. So you combine the military and air traffic control together. A lot of people don't make it after that for too long, even though they're only 45 years old when they get out of the military or something. When I got out of, uh, aircraft maintenance and I, and I went to work as a bank manager, I, it just, I had more responsibility than I'd ever had. Right. But it, it felt empty mm-hmm. because I wasn't doing air traffic control. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I, I went through a similar bout of depression. And so then I just started like, man, I got to find some, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because of course I was waiting on the FA as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it was, it was just kind of depressing because I didn't, you know, I could walk around and care, like, it was really cool to protect like $150,000 in cash. But like at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the impact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I feel like I needed to have that you get with air traffic control. You know, sure. so I, I did, I did a similar thing when I was in Vegas. I got out of, the, I got out in uh, the Air Force in October of fifteen, and um, I was waiting on. I had a temporary offer letter, and I was waiting, waiting. And Bianca had it. Bianca had a really good job in Vegas, and uh, and we had two kids at the time, and I was stay at home dad for like nine months. Like she was working, I was just at home waiting on the FAA. I have no doubt that that was a crushing time. For so me. yeah, like yeah, it was. I mean, I think I was. I'm. I think I was good at it. Like I was. I managed it well, but for sure, man. Like I, at at some point, you're like, man, I need to do something. Like I need to provide. Like I need to. That that's exactly that like there's. I don't think it's a gender thing. I no. I, I really don't. I no, think no, it, I, I think not, it's because no. mm-hmm. it, Bianca would feel the same way if she like yeah. Stay-at-home moms feel the same way. Hundred percent. Even though they're hundred percent like they're they've got the most important job in the way world. More work than, yeah. than me at air traffic control yeah. at any facility. They and you're raising a human work. being. It's like so there's <laughs> yeah, but it's it's complex. It's all these things you're you're introducing them into culture and society. Like it, it's a it's a very difficult job, but yeah, it's not. I don't think thankless it's it's job. it's a thankless job. job. Another one of those. Yeah. Like a flight commander, 
like an AOF to thankless job. When Academy graduates would, would come and, and tour the tower. And I said, I would usually say something like, why are y'all here? Like, Oh, we just want to be introduced, you know, to the job. And why I was like, are you here? do not, do not waste your Academy education on being an AOF. You, you, you're like, you support nobody and everybody doesn't like you, you know? Like you can please nobody. You do whatever your boss tells you to do. Exactly. And it trickles down to us. But you're it. supposed to be a representative of of the flight, but you really can't represent it. You know you what I mean? Like us. it's it's so it's a mm -hmm. thankless job. Like do not do that. Run as far as you can mm -hmm. from doing this job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My chief control is like you can't do that. So I'm not gonna lie to him. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it, nobody should do this job. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah, going to stay at home moms and stuff, man. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, I, and I'm, I'm getting another taste of it now, even though we're together most of the, you know, at home, but still, you know, when and if things, tough. things go back to normal, now she's, her current workload's going to double and yours is going to be reduced, so, you know, again, sure. so. And, and like I said, like with me being home, we're able to like say yes to a lot more orders and all that stuff mm -hmm. and promote a little bit more. But yeah, once the things if they do or when they do go back to you're going to run into a thing. scale problem it sounds like because sure. right now you guys are able to scale the operation but you're going to run into a bottleneck because the production is going to be reduced sure. to one person and and that's uh, the idea of like going to brick and mortar and you know hiring do it somebody. somebody hiring somebody and the idea of getting away because we're doing it it's called a cottage bakery so you're doing it at your own house yeah um, and there's limitations on that as well legal commercial yeah. kitchen yeah yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of rules yeah. um, and uh, the idea of getting away from the house away from the kids to do work as opposed to working while being with the it's hard that's really hard let me tell you i know somebody in florida they're in, they're in navarre florida um this old man and his wife they they used to be our neighbors she used to own a bakery and if again the startup cost from a bakery is 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 expensive but she has all of the commercial equipment like in storage if that's something interesting if y'all decide to do that let me know we'll take a drive we'll you know um well, i don't know if you cool yeah like a, that, that would that would I, I'll, I'll bet Definitely you there's fifteen twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment that that she has in her storage uh, storage unit. Dang, so that'd be cool. Yeah, because our oven's not going to make it much longer. <laughs> <laughs> we just built this house like uh, yeah Thanksgiving will be two years that yeah next week is two years that we've been in this house. Um, yeah, that's the it's brand new oven. Work, huh? I got it, man. <laughs> Which like she has like crazy days where that oven's going for like you know it's twelve hours, sixteen hours straight. Yeah. Cakes take longer and longer to cook as the day goes on because it's running out of steam. Mm, interesting. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. But it, 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 it works fine. It works great. And yeah. everything's good with it. But I can't imagine it. We can't do it that much longer. Yeah. I, I'd like to know. I'd, I'd, I'd almost like to go, go look up what kind of power the commercial machines use because it, they, they might work off of like three-phase power to where um, it, it actually uses much less electricity but produces more power. Yeah, there's yeah, that, yeah. There's yeah, that there's, power trade-off, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because your oven's a 240-volt oven, so but it's single phase, and you can add a three-phase in there, and, you'll, and you might get less electricity because you're also having a power drain on your house that you're yeah, paying for mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. It might be cheaper to run multiple equipment in a, yeah, yeah. In a commercial setting. So interesting enough. And then the, the idea to not be considered a cottage bake, uh, bakery, you just need to have a, what's called a commercial kitchen, mm -hmm. which could be anything. It could be a trailer in your backyard. 
a food, oh, truck, fair a food truck. Yeah, food a truck. Food truck yeah. in your in your yard. Mm -hmm. That's your commercial kitchen. And now um, things open up like uh, uh, advertising on social media and uh, just just a lot more things that you can't do as a cottage baker. You, you know, um, listing prices and all that kind of stuff. Like you're technically you're not supposed to do that as a cottage baker. Interesting. I yeah, there, there's a lot that. of random rules like that. Yeah. Um, well, well, what's good for y'all is y'all have. Bianca's got a pretty good network. You've mm -hmm. you've got a good mm -hmm. good network out here. So that initial launch is um, is 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 probably you guys are going to do better than say there's there's a guy who who opened a uh, hoagie and like CBD shop mm -hmm. <laughs> and but so I, I I walked in there on happenstance. I was like I'm going to go check this guy out and I talked to him. Uh, I'm trying to get him on the podcast because he's got a great story. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but yeah for. For him, he's he's running into like kind of the initial exposure phase, which is where most most restaurants, you know, they can they can die in that phase. You mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. like there's no secret that restaurants have a hard time starting up and making it through the first year. In fact, oh yeah, for sure. So, but you guys at least have that on your side. No, I because I, I, she turns down a lot of business because it's just impossible. Um, mm -hmm. So I know once that happens and, and more advertising and like all that stuff, like I don't think she can triple her business. Yeah, for sure. I know it could happen. And yeah, probably, probably more than that. Probably more, probably more than that. Because a commercial with, with kitchen help. gives you the opportunity to scale as oh, well. Oh, for sure. And yeah. with help and then uh, all that, I mean, yeah, it'd be, I think it'd be great. And it would cover the overhead because that's, that's, that's our concern is having the overhead. Having, we don't have that right now. Yeah. It's our, it's, no, it's our normal bills for, for the most part at our house. So we don't have that overhead. So it's nice to not have that. Well, you're going to, you're already probably running into an issue that there's no more money you can make because you're you might be at the point of especially with that oven you're at the point of point of diminishing marginal return so mm -hmm. which is essentially the the idea of, of it, a of a bottleneck and work life balance yeah which general, is which, which is a factor which sure is, which is the probably the biggest factor yeah not that we don't need the money it's just like at some point like the money doesn't matter as much as well being for sure for sure you know? yeah absolutely Absolutely. So, real quick, can I? Is there, yeah. You have a restroom? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, sure, no, sure. <laughs> yeah. I drink a lot of water. <laughs> all right. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, if, if if you don't mind, could we talk about, uh, or are you, are you willing to talk about um, kind of what you went through with, with cancer yeah, and what, of what kind of cancer? And um, so, what was it? It was July 4th, last, uh, 2019. Yeah. And um, we were in Tampa, mm -hmm. well, St. Pete, really. We were at Tampa Bay uh, Rays and Yankees game. Um, <clears throat> and we were on our way to the game, driving from Orlando, because we went into the little Disney first, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had crazy pain right in my lower abdomen. It was kind of swollen, kind of tender. It was really tender. I was getting kind of the chills, a little fever. Like I was like, man, what is going on? And okay. I, I thought for sure it was appendicitis. It was like yeah. all the symptoms. Like it was. Anyway, we go to the game. I was like, I'm just gonna give a chance to pass, whatever. We go to the game. We're in like the second or third inning, and um, it got unbearable. I was holding holding one of my kids, and uh, their like foot like grazed my lower abdomen, like barely, like through my clothes, like, and it was excruciating pain and I was like oh shoot and I was like my appendix is about to burst we need to like whatever so Bianca's like do you need to go to the hospital and I was like 
putting it off because I was like, we're at a Yankee game. Like, I, I want to stay. Like, we, we've been to a lot of Yankee games as a family, yeah. and, like, we stay. We get there, like, two hours early, and we stay till the game's over, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. My kids are really good about it. Bianca's really good about it. It's awesome. Yeah. I, whatever. Anyway, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go to the hospital. And finally, she convinced me to go. And uh, we go from St. Pete up to Tampa near our hotel, Tampa General, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do a scan, or they do, they feel around, and they don't feel anything, so they do a CT. And um, there was absolutely nothing on my lower abdomen that showed up. No swollen lip nodes, no appendix isn't uh, enlarged, nothing, you know, whatever, inflamed. And they were like, there's, and at this point, it's 4th of July, it's in the night, and there's fireworks going on right outside. So my, Bianca and the kids are like outside watching fireworks because we have all the kids with us. And um, uh, the emergency room nurse came in and she's like, I'll be right back with the doctor. And then the doctor came in and they pull up, they show they pull up the scans on the computer and they were like, there's nothing here, nothing here, but do you see these two things here? They were like, those are large masses and they're attached to your kidneys. And we're like, what? And I've had no symptom up to that point, no symptoms whatsoever. Um, no pain in my kidneys, nothing pushing on anything that I felt. I've had blood work done multiple times through primary care guys and whatever. And so yeah. nothing ever came back abnormal. Nothing ever showed up. And they were like, we don't know what it is. It's Thursday, 4th of July. We plan on going, coming back home here uh, on Saturday. We're going to do Universal, I think, on Friday. Mm-hmm. Not Universal. Um, Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens. That's, yeah, okay. That's over there. Um, we're going to do Bush Gardens on Friday. And they were like, you can, we can admit you tonight and possibly do a biopsy tomorrow. I can't guarantee it because it's like a holiday. Yeah. We don't know who's going to be here, blah, blah, blah. Once you get into the weekend, like you may as well go home at that point. Sure. And, you know, start figuring out what it is at home. Um, anyway, I opted to just be like, hey, well, you can't do anything about it now. Um, that pain in the front kind of started subsiding. We were there long enough, and I was like, all right, that's kind of going away now. And that never came back. So I only went to the hospital because of that, and then they found it. So it was just complete luck that they found it. Otherwise, I'd probably still have them in me right now. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, we still went to Bush Gardens on Friday, um, drove back home on Saturday, contacted Tampa Bay Rays, Bianca did, and explained what happened. And they gave us tickets for Friday night's game. We went to Friday. We went to the game. We went to another Yankee game Friday night. That's pretty rad. Crazy. Thursday night, they went to extra innings, 10, 10 or 11 innings. Okay. Both of them were, so 10 or 11 innings, and the Yankees won. Okay. And I was pissed because I was at the hospital. And like, <laughs> I'm like, we're, like, I missed this game. Like, it was an awesome game. The very next night, Friday night, the same thing happened. They went 10 or 11 innings. I don't, I don't know which one it was which, and the Yankees won. Ah, it was like, perfect. It yeah, was awesome. yeah, you got so, to repeat. <laughs> it was a perfect repeat. So um, Saturday we get up, we go home. They gave, they gave me a copy of my scans or whatever to bring back. And their, like, suggestion was, like, go to emergency room when you get back home. Like, okay. I was going to go to Ocean Springs Hospital and say, these are my scans. What do, you know, what do we need to do from here? Sure. I had no, I no idea what to do. Yeah. Um, I got a neighbor who's a radiation oncologist, two doors down, and uh, I 
texted him. <clears throat> I said, hey, man, I got some of these scans. You want to take a look at them, just see what they are, and if you have any suggestions on where I should go, what I should do. And he looked at them, and he was like, those are pretty, you know, they were large. One of them was like the size of my fist on my right. Wow. Yeah, and... Uh, and so, and so they were connected to your kidneys? Just my kidneys. Nowhere else. Both kidneys. I was 34, 33, 34. In the tubes or something or what? Or because you out, t- Outside my, just outside my kidneys. No kidding. Maybe inside. I don't remember, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, uh, so he looked at the scans and, he, and he's like, yeah, you need to go get it looked at. And he hooked me up with uh, uh, a a urology oncologist out of Tulane um, got me an appointment Monday. I was like, what? Sweet hookup, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, good, good. I mean, it was awesome. And like, that was a huge deal. Um, and this doctor that he got me with was like a pioneer in the robotic um, uh, surgery stuff. Uh, so this is like the guy that I want to go to. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, Monday, actually, I couldn't go Monday. Um, I, I guess I had work, and I think I did. I don't remember. But I couldn't go Monday, so I set it up for Wednesday. I went Wednesday. Um, the scans were not good because they weren't looking at my kidneys on those original scans. They were looking mm. in the front, so they weren't uh, as detailed as he wanted. So he had me you, you new scans. He goes, because like, I think you have others. He's like, I can't really tell. There's abnormalities for sure. But So I ended up having like seven tumors like four and three or something like that on each side um and he said he was like just looking at them he was pretty certain that they were cancer he's like but the one that was really big he's like i'm taking that out anyway he's like we got to go get it there's no point doing a biopsy i was like we're not doing a biopsy because biopsies sometimes aren't 100 percent accurate mm-hmm. and so i'm just going to go take it out and then we'll figure out what it is um, so since they're on both kidneys, we knew we had to do two surgeries, mm. um, because you can't do them both at the same time. Cause they had to cut up, cut off blood supply to the kidneys to do it. And they can't do that at the same time. You'll always lose chance of losing both kidneys, you know, whatever. Um, so they go in. So July 4th, find out Thursday, Wednesday, I go in. And then by the next week I had new scans. July 29th was my first surgery. Super fast. Like yeah. it was like bang bang. Like it was like 25 days from finding it to, to my first surgery, <clears throat> which is probably a credit to my neighbor and like all that stuff happening. Like, and crazy. so and so this whole time that you're waiting the the, the the 25 days like there's no body reaction that you're had like you can't feel anything nothing. nothing's they they ran blood they cuz he he requested his own blood work and everything like that and nothing came back up in the normal. Not to get too personal, but there was no urination problems and like that. Nope. I mean, Mm-mm. okay. No, nope. nope. I never had any What nothing. was your intake of fluids? Like do you drink mostly water or were you like, um, like, I guess normally because again, the cancer cells are going to, are, are, are going to develop over time. So I'm like the pickiest eater you'll ever meet right? Okay. when it comes to food, drinks, whatever. Um, I didn't drink, start drinking water in my life until I was probably like 23, 24. Uh, my wife as well. Yeah. So like I literally did not drink water. Like I played baseball my whole life in hot summers and if there was only water to drink, I didn't drink. It was bad. Like, it was probably really bad for me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
And then finally, when I was 23, 24, actually, when I was at Nellis, that's when I started drinking water. <laughs> that's wise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in Vegas. I guess I started drinking water. Yeah. Um, and then I started liking, like, I really enjoyed it, and I, I drink a lot of water all the time now. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's funny you say that. Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. and who know, and nobody can tell me how long they've been there, those tumors. So yeah. they could have been there from when I was a kid and when I was only drinking sweet tea and soda. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Anyway, um, so I had my first surgery July 29th. They check it out, and it is cancer. And he said there's 89% chance that the other side is the same same exact thing. He said what What percentage? 80 to 90%. 80, uh, uh, oh, that, I, that, thought, I thought you said 89%. Like, he can, he no, can no, get no, that no, specific. 80, like, that's, that's really. <laughs> sound like I'm mumbling. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he said it's very likely that it's the same on the other. Because I was like, what are the chances the other side isn't cancer? That is, like, I don't know, I'm just asking any yeah, questions. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm like, you know don't know what's going on but so what do you think in the, at, at so, this point like is it i don't know man like me and was bianca it hard to process no me and bianca talk about it all the time um we never thought about like worst case scenario i don't know it never happened he was kind of reassuring he's like because when we first before we even before my first surgery he's like he looked at her and he was like we're going to get these out and he's going to live a long time. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about it. So from that point, not that I was like, I don't know, like overconfident and like, ah, it doesn't matter. Um, I never thought about it like that. I never felt bad for myself. I never did anything like, no. I wonder if that's part of the, that's by design by him saying, we're not going to do the biopsy because if, if you do the biopsy, then maybe, you know, more and, and God forbid it was, a malignant tumor and so then he has to somehow package up well it's a bad tumor mm-hmm. and now you have to start processing worst worst case scenario mm-hmm. um because yeah, 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 yeah. It, you know there's a 50 50 chance that it's benign versus mm-hmm. um malignant so it, it you know to the doctor's credit he he might be thinking well i know i'm gonna have to get it out so to do this while the, although it's trivial they don't have to know if it's benign or malignant mm-hmm. so there's no worry associated yeah, yeah yeah it, it was still we were still holding on to uh it, there's a good chance it could be benign yeah so we'll, we'll just go with that until sure. we find out that it is i'm not going to freak out about cancer until i know it's cancer yeah yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. so that's fine um and then so we did the surgery then it took like a week to find out what it was what it was um it was called chromophobe renal cell carcinoma um so it's a renal cell but it's a rare form being chromophobe uh only five percent of Kidney cancers are this type of cancer. Um, super rare, uh, weird that they could not figure out why a 34-year-old had these tumors on both kidneys, like just the kidneys, not like anywhere else in between. And yeah. just really weird growth. Um, they did some genetic testing. It turned out I have tuberous sclerosis, which is a uh, genetic disorder that causes masses to grow throughout your body. Um, so you're prone to sort of like these tumors, just tumors in general. So yeah. So growths in general. Uh, and by the way, this is, this is HIPAA stuff. So you can stop at any point. We don't don't have to talk about any of this, honestly. Okay. I'll I'll tell anybody this story. I feel like maybe somebody else will go through it. I don't know. But, um, so, and as you would think that it would relate to my cancer, but the, really the, my doctor feels like the tuberous sclerosis has nothing to do with those tumors that I had. 
Um, Did he provide a rationale for that? Yeah, because uh, usually it's different. I don't know. And usually there'll be other places, a lot in your chest. It could be in your brain. So, And there's different levels. There's uh, of tuberous sclerosis. So, like, um, if kids have them, they have a lot of cognitive issues, like usually in the brain. Like, And it's very apparent. Uh, with seizures and all that, like when they're when they're young, yeah. Um, and I never really had. So I, I had a very mild, considered a mild form of tuberculosis, which I don't know. I'm probably talking on my ass, and like I know about it, but I, I could be wrong. Um, so, but he was convinced that it didn't have to do with that. Uh, he, he was a well-known doctor, but he reached out to you know, his buddies in New York and LA and like, you know, bigger facilities. And we're like, specialists probably have, have, have small networks what, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what, what, like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. Why is this young guy having this? And, um, anyway, so then that was July 29th was my first surgery and I had to wait a month for my second surgery to make sure I had the kidney function was good. Mm-hmm. Um, did blood work and, make sure I was healing up and then they go into the other one on September 3rd, 3rd or 4th. Um, and did the other one and trying to think. So I have like a bunch of scars that come down here. Mm -hmm. One big one in the middle Mm -hmm. where they pull out the larger, uh, tumors. Um, they go in from the front to your kidneys. I thought the kidneys were kind of in the back. It's a crazy surgery. So, Yes. They got to move. Well, it, it also depends on where where the tumors were located too. It's not uh-huh. just like so. It was easier to get to the tumors from here than it was because I guess they were in they weren't on the outside of my kidneys like on the this oh, side. Okay, they were inside. Oh, I see. So what they do is, um, you're upside down for the whole surgery. I'm on, I'm on a I'm, I'm like this. I'm inverted. On, on you're upside down. So all your organs get out of the way. Gravity. They pump you with gas. Get out of they here. They pump you with gas to keep it all down. And out of the way, and it's right there. That's in the robot. It's robot. It's very small incisions. So, on the second surgery, that's insane. On the on the second surgery, he had said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in, and I might have to come in through the side based on based on the location of some of them that I've seen on the scans." He's like, "I don't know yet until I get in there." So he said recovery on the second surgery might be harder because you'll have it on the front and the back and just ripping through abs and then side muscles. Yeah. But, um, and then I woke up and he didn't have to, which I like, I woke up and I saw nothing on this side and I was like, okay, good. Cause that means, yeah. that means I, I can, I know what to expect for the recovery on, uh, based on the first time. But, um, yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> It was that's, pretty crazy, man. That's how you. That's the, that's how you sum it up. And, huh? and it, I mean, July fourth to September fourth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, well, like, well, I was working that in my mind. Like, this. Okay, so we're going. We're two two months down. Where you went through this period of like, okay, I've got cancer, and again, to your credit, you've you're, you've you've got the mindset where like you didn't kind of dive deep into some sort of what if mm-hmm. thing in a bad way. So I mean, uh, man, that that is crazy. pretty incredible. That yeah, was insane. Um, for two months, for two months to have those kind of surgeries and, and the chromophobe aspect of the carcinoma, it was like, uh, is 90% six, 
I don't know how they word it. You know, it's 90% over 10 years of not returning okay. um, with just surgery. So that's why, like, no chemo or radiation was they, – they don't do that for that type of that's cancer. That's good. Um, so basically they cut it out. They take a little bit of kidney with it. It's called a partial partial nephrectomy. So I had two partial nephrectomies. So I – I have both my kidneys still full function. Does that piece they cut out, does that recover? Um, not that that recovers, but your, uh, I guess your kidneys, um, repair it. They learn, they learn to function at full capacity. You can take, you can take half the kidney and as long as the kid, once the kidney heals, it does the same thing a full kidney would do. That's interesting. I've I've heard if you have a lung removed too, the other lung will expand I, to fill the cavity. So, oh, really? Oh, really? That that's, much too? Yeah, that's, I that's see what I've heard. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, yeah, so yeah, I have full kidney function now. Um, I'm fine. I, I Initially, I was getting scans like every three months after the first surgery, after the second surgery. Um, <clears throat> and I had my last ones in June. And uh, now I'm doing annual, so so nothing. Everything's been good. July. You have the pain. August. You have your first surgery. September. You have your second surgery. September. You decide you're going to do this marathon. September fourth, and then September twenty fifth. It was it was twenty days. Okay. Twenty. I said three weeks. It was. I remember it, it was a Monday. It was exactly twenty days, and I ran two miles, like five in the morning, and I was. And it took me like twenty five minutes to run two miles. It was rough. And then hurt by life. February, you ran a marathon. You ran a marathon. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and I never told my doctor. So, so like, I shouldn't have been doing that probably 20 days after second surgery. And I was just doing it and whatever. So, you said on the, uh, as, as we were talking about doing this, right? And again, everybody has this feeling of, of, of being nervous. Probably more so now because there's video. But she <laughs> said, you said, uh, most people say the same thing. I don't know if we if I have anything interesting to talk about. Man, that's crazy interesting to yeah, right. you know to hear. I mean, it, it it's it may seem like nothing for you because you live it, but you went from a small pain, you being reluctant to go to the hospital, mm -hmm. the pain subsided, you still go and 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 check it out, and it turns out you have cancer and you take it so well, and then you even grow from it. Yeah. Like you Yeah. Who what makes you think you would have ever ran a marathon had you not experienced? I don't know. I don't know if I would ever that. that. I don't know if I would ever like. Could you? I think when stuff like that happens, as much as I was not playing a what if game and like you know doing like we talked about, um, it still makes you like second like be like, man, what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing? Not yeah. that not that running a marathon. I mean, it is kind of life changing, I guess, but it's not like a. I don't know. It's not crazy. A lot of people run marathons. Like, it's not insane. Man, at some point, you've you've, you've got to learn to give yourself some more credit here. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 mean, I appreciate I what something. you're saying, but, like, uh, you got to suck it up and say that, like, you've, 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 you've accomplished something special here. Uh, I, yeah. And, I mean, with Bianca, like, the support there and all that. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't. I it was. I remember seeing, I think, the entire Elks Club got got involved in, in, in something, Elf right? Club did, and then um, I'm part of Neptune, yeah. uh, Mardi Gras crew, and they, they did a benefit, too, to help with a lot of whatever, medical bills and stuff, um, which was awesome, which was crazy, because so the year before, not even a year before, we were in Florida, like, right? So when I come here, 
and I joined Neptune when I first came here. I knew a few guys and got to know everybody better, whatever, mm -hmm. over the year. And then this happens, and then they just did that for me. And like, yeah, it was just it was cool to be. It definitely validated us moving back and being like the sense of community and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, sure. that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's a great story. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, you got to give yourself some more credit there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So, what's new for you, man? Like, what's what's uh, what does the next year look like for you? Um, nobody knows. Right? Nobody knows, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, it sounds like you're gonna keep prospecting the idea of having a brick and mortar bakery. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 I really think that would do well. And also, with our two year old being two. Uh, it's kind of hardy. Like, do we wait until he's a little older, maybe at least in pre-K four or something? I don't know, to make it a little more manageable. But, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> One day at a time. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. There's something man. poetic like, about that, anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I'm like, I'm actually just starting to like work out and like feel a little bit more like myself within that aspect. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. We uh, we got plan we're going to Disney and uh, right before Christmas for like five days. But I've heard it's a great time to go because yeah. like there's not a lot of people there. Super excited. <laughs> there's there's no great. international travel. I think it's gonna know. be great. I, I, we've heard nothing but good things from family and friends that have gone. We yeah. when we were in Jacksonville, we had annual passes and um, it's worth it. Yeah, that's worth it right there. I mean, you're you're, you're what. Two and a half, two, three hours away. Hour, yeah, we were. I lived in St. John, so that was okay. Yes, you're south. I'm 45 minutes mm -hmm. south, 30 to 45 minutes from Jacksonville, anyway, south. So I was that much closer to Disney. So I bought a GoPro off a guy in St. John's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, we would wake up on Sunday mornings, be like, eh, let's go to Disney. Yeah, and, exactly. You know what I mean, like, because we were that close. So kids kind of got spoiled and took, you know, take that for granted, and we're like. Oh, we're, like literally, I remember Roman. Like we'd be like, he'd be like, "We're going to Disney again." Like, <laughs> like a little spoiled that. But, um, but no, so we, we like to try to go like once a year, ish. There you go. Yeah, I so, respect it. <laughs> so we're doing that. Uh, we got baseball tournaments every, you know, all the time. So we're doing, you know. Well, that's cool, man. Well, look, man, I, I, I appreciate you coming by, yeah. you know, thanks for having me. Man. I appreciate you, uh, you know, doing the, doing the inaugural kind of with video, with video episode. To look over there. Just yeah. forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you see, like I'm, I'm not really looking. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. It's just, you know, like, like Foad said, it's just mm -hmm. come on here, be yourself. We're just going to have a conversation. I was telling Mary, I need to just create like a pamphlet because everybody asked the, I'm telling you the exact same things. Like, Oh man, what, like, I, I don't know what we talk about or they'd ask me what what I want to talk about and most time I say you mm -hmm. and that's exactly what it is it's mm -hmm. just we're just having a conversation that's it yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but cool. people yeah, I was I was thinking more of like a list of things and like I'm like eh, but no yeah it's, it's better this way anyway but for sure yeah. for sure so and again we could uh you know come back and have another conversation and do another what probably been here like two hours or so two yeah, and a half hours yeah so, went quick but, yeah yeah well yeah. Shit, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh, uh, I usually do this at the end of my shows. Do you want to give out uh, any sort of social media, how, how people can maybe, um, if they want to get in contact with you or, say, Bianca's um, um, yeah, bakery? I, or? I, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm I guess this on, is the plug time. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm obviously Facebook and Instagram and stuff, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not like a 
Gotcha. Okay. I don't, don't, I'm not a content creator at at all. Um, if anything, I'm posting something about my kids or sharing my wife's bakery. That's about it. Yeah. Fair Um, enough. But yeah, Mother Goose Bakery. Uh, you find her on Facebook, Instagram. Um, she's got all, not all, not, not even close to all, but a lot of her things that she's done and you could check it out. There's nothing bad on there. i tell you that. She's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it for really just Mother Goose Bakery. Be cool. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Thanks again. Appreciate Thank it. You. See you, everybody. everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. And if you want to follow uh, more and hear more, you can check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, everything. You can also follow us on social media. I've got a YouTube channel, so search for Shop and Chivalry. Subscribe there. We also have Instagram. Just look for Shop and Chivalry. Twitter at Shop and Chivalry and Facebook.com slash Shop and Chivalry. You can also shoot us an email at administration at Shop and Chivalry if you'd like to be on the show or suggest somebody or give more direct feedback. You can also find that link on our website, shopandchivalry.com, where I have all of my ramblings about the show, what the show means to me, that that particular episode. I've got a blog, other media on there as well, as well as embedded players. So you can play the shows and the videos for those that, that have video as well. So uh, again, thank you for all the love. I appreciate all the feedback. It's been wonderful. I'm having a great time. And uh, yeah, much love. All right. See you.